This podcast is brought to you by the team at New Zealand Trucking Magazine. Remember to get your hands on the latest issue from your favourite retailer or subscribe now at nztrucking.co.nz. Keep on moving. The official podcast of New Zealand Trucking Media. Here's Dave McCoy and Murray Lindsay. Uh, it is the Keep On Moving podcast, episode 28. Did you ever think we'd get to 28, Dave? 28. What a what an amazing number. It's taken us a while. It certainly hasn't uh, taken us uh, t- 28 months, Muzz, but we're in the groove now. It's a whole uh, it's a whole new scene. It's 2024, and we're on episode 2028. And so the goal will basically be to episode 39 by the end of the year. I think so, at least. Uh, and of course, this is the first one for 2024. So this is really oh yeah. yeah, she's a meaty old episode too. Can I say? Uh, we'll get to what we call a beautiful noise in just a moment. Um, I'm not allowed to give any clues, am I? <laughs> You're not allowed to give any clues, Murray. And uh, uh, a, even the keen start, ear should, eh? a keen ear should be able to hear that exactly what this engine is, and it's something just slightly untoward. Speaking of slightly untoward, blokes yakking, <laughs> yarning. Uh, we've got Carl and Gav in action. Yep. Anything yep. in particular? Anything in particular you're um, you're covering off in there? Well, the further these blokes yarning uh, goes along, the the more we're expecting a, a van with a padded room in the back to come and take us all away. Um, it, they're, they're very fruitful and uh, and entertaining 40-odd uh, minutes that we have, and, and we cover off yeah a few things uh, this month that are uh, pertinent to the time and, and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, well, then we move on to, of course, our, our feature interview, and uh, once again, another special one, Dave. This is exciting. No, this is very exciting. Like this, especially for people that have been in the magazine uh, since the start. And obviously, uh, February is the month that Kenworth New Zealand celebrated the marks 100 years in existence. And so I wanted a real good guts and glory interview uh, for that. And uh, I got a couple of absolute uh, rippers sitting across the table from me and to relay some great stories of big trucks, big loads and hard men working long hours. Uh, Carol McCready is along too. We've got a very big conference next month, Dave. Yeah, we have the Teletrack Navman Technical Maintenance and Safety Conference in Christchurch, and I am really looking forward to this because uh, I think it's going to sort of reset the reset the bar on conferences. I know the technical maintenance and safety conferences that they run in Melbourne are incredibly popular and deliver deliver more than you know people associate conference and you know us well let's be let's face it quite often the word conference is associated with the word your with the word yawn isn't it but these things are different they they give the the delegates real usable useful takeaways for their business that that they and i think i think we're going to reset the standard and create something that's going to gather some impetus really quickly I had the chance to chat with a friend of yours, Mike Isle, about trailers and other things, and uh, we're going to incorporate that. Thank you for letting me incorporate that into the podcast, Dave. I didn't want it all about you. <laughs> it's, it's your podcast too, Maz. It's both of our, oh, yeah. our monikers. 
is on the on the on the logo. You know that. But uh, let's duck back. So you had it. You talked to the great raconteur himself from Northland, the the great weaver of yarns, about his latest book for the for the TTMF. I oh, know what an interesting interesting man. And uh, yeah, thank you for introducing me to him. Um, on a scale yeah, you can't comprehend. Well, I, I mean, you know, like the interview could have gone for hours if we'd got onto his time with Rob Muldoon, but um, yeah, we we just kept to trucks. And yeah, speak, speaking of keeping to trucks, uh, tyre-wise is something that's going to affect everyone, not just uh, truck drivers into the future, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. And this is uh, going to eventually, in time, in time, not not just yet. We're sort of starting off at. Uh, Car tyres, truck tyres, trailer tyres and machinery tyres, but it will eventually get down to your mobility scooter or your electric e-scooter that you buy from the shop, and that is the the need to compensate at purchase of the new product, the end-of-life task for the product uh, once, once it has uh, run its course. And so, yeah, this very interesting and neat uh Neat, neat conversation with Adele Rose on that. It's always really cool when you talk to somebody and they really know the subject and they're very relaxed and they just the answers just trip off and you and you think, well, this person is right across the subject and it actually gives you confidence in the program itself. Jack Smith, uh, diversity champions, along to wrap the podcast up. Well, they always say that sunshine uh, invokes good mood and good cheer in people, and we know how much sunshine uh, the Marlborough region gets, and Jack Smith is just, she's the exemplar of all of that. Like, you really encounter the level of enthusiasm and absolute joy to be in road transport that that, that, uh, came through from Jack's, which then in turn makes her the perfect diversity champion uh, for the region and advocating all of what truck uh, trucking and road transport offers in terms of positions and what every single person you can think of uh, can do in the industry. Dave, we have a beautiful noise. Any clues? That's a truck. Any clues? It's a truck. That's exactly right. Is this, is this the reveal time, is it? No, good, no. No, we'll do that at the end. Righto. I've uh, got clues? a couple of hours to wait. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. All right. Uh, Stand by for the blokes uh, yarning, and I'll be back with you in a minute, Dave. Three blokes yarning. There are two in the North Island uh, where it's warm and balmy, and there's one in the deep, deep south where it's uh, they've just had snow at Cadrona that I'm uh, well informed. And there's a uh, there's a brisk southerly blowing into the southern quarters, Captain Carl. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, with a report from the deep south, I can tell you that yes, there is some white stuff up on the caps, and uh, Cadrona is looking at opening up the 2024 ski season a little earlier this year. Cheapers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a tad early. And you're, and, did, did, and, you, did you take your skis down from Auckland, Carl? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Got that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, we, we've, uh, we're fully well equipped, ready ready for um, all um, uh, adverse uh, weather conditions and so on. But I will have you know, the locals are getting around wearing jeans today and I'm wearing shorts. How about that? How about and, that? Well, uh, you're feeling bullish and yes. good on you. 
Good on yep. you. Fist pump, fist pump from 1,500 kilometres away, and they think you're a complete lunatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. It's like, spot the North Islander. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what yeah, it's going to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. yeah, yeah. There's another one. There's another one. Look at that. So how did the, epic, how, how did the epic transition go from north to south? Oh, look, uh, absolutely faultless. It was bloody the, uh, the mighty surf. Pulled the good tear all the way, mate. Didn't even flinch. Not a drop of oil or water or anything like that. Um, no punches, nothing like nothing untoward. And I didn't even have a loose rope on my tarp. How about that? She was just, yeah, she, she just picture perfect. Couldn't have asked for a better journey. And the weather behaved itself as well. How about that? So you couldn't ask for more. Carl, I've seen you load a trailer and cover it and strap it down when we went to Wanaka, and there'd be more chance of a gold brick escaping from Fort Knox. <laughs> then well, you anything know. falling we, off we were taught, Hey mate, we were, taught, we were taught by the Jedi Masters of Tarping though, come on The Jedi Masters of Tarping, yeah, yeah, yeah. May the force yeah, be with we... you, Captain Carl <laughs> <laughs> I have taught you well yeah, so. <laughs> so yes, another big month boys so Good Christmas, good um, uh, New Year and all those sorts of things How did it all go? Oh, have we had it? <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. Have we had it? Done it? Straight back into oh, it. Hot edit. Oh, god! Mm. Oh, it's a distant memory now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's been, been and gone, but I mean, it was it was enjoyable. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, good. Uh, yeah, holidays were good. Yeah. Christmas was good. Mm. Went to yep. the top of the South Island, did a bit of what we normally do, and uh, yep, yep. It was all, all very good and very sunny and generally good weather and had some great uh, little high points like yeah Paul O'Callaghan the great the great nomadic truck driving journalistic photographing wandering enthusiast who roams the globe living the life that we all can own, that we all dreamed of as kids yes. uh, he was passing through uh, Nelson uh, at Christmas time and so we uh, we spent a couple of couple of nights with uh, him and him and. Uh, him and friends, and yeah, yeah, he was he was at our uh, he was at, stayed at the Macaulays for a couple of nights as well. So no, it was bloody uh, yeah. No, I saw him down here in the uh, the mighty um, uh, the mighty Peterworth, the um, uh, the Honda. He uh, he ventured into um, Eden and caught up with Phil and everything like that as well. And that sort of carrying had a good old chin wag and a chat with him there, and he seemed to be enjoying himself. He was wearing shorts as well. I'll have you know, and a singlet. How about that? Yeah, but look where he comes mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, like bloody hell, Jeeves, Look where he. Oh. We were, we were talking about the Pilbara though. Whereas, what, what, you know, look, you know, I mean, we all know that you know he heads up in those directions and so, so on, and uh, does his bits for, um, um, you know, his uh, Australian road train adventures and so on. And he was, we were talking about the fact that they were tipping fifty degrees the other day or something. We heard. Is that? Did you guys hear that? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Jeeves, could you imagine? Yeah. 50 odd degrees in the Pilbara, mate. Now that's going to be hot. I'm not made of that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, no, well, no, no. we were in Birdsville, which is Birdsville is uh, uh, lower uh, lower southeast Queens, southwest Queensland, where South Australia, Queensland, and Northern Territory all meet. Uh, probably within a hundred k's of Birdsville, it's like in the middle of nowhere because New Zealanders have no idea mm. what the middle of nowhere actually means. And yeah. um, the guy there was uh, telling Craig and I that uh, it, that was the summer of 2017. They'd had 60 days over 50 or something. Oh, jeepers creepers. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was Unreal, fascin- fascinating, fascinating trip. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So, what have yeah, we got so to talk about Three Blokes Yarning? But uh, what's... Yeah. What's been? Uh, what should we talk about? Should we talk about publications, or should we talk about what's been happening? There's lots to talk about. The year's been off to a busy start, eh? Oh, yeah. and the end of the year was busy, and uh, so yep. Yeah, and twenty four straight back into it. Let's let's start with let's start with publications. Uh, February yep. over to the editor of New Zealand Trucking Magazine, Gavin Myers, on the February twenty four issue. Yeah, and that's one for the Kenworth faithful. You have to say in line with um, with South Pack's uh, celebration of. Kenworth's 100 years last year, happening in in Feb um, at Mystery Creek. Um, so yeah, we've we've uh, gone all out to honour the honour the brand, and um, yeah, we've uh, we've picked a few key uh, interesting stories and and key interesting trucks. Um, probably top of the pile, not to not to pick um, pick favourites or anything like that, but top of the pile on the cover this month, Guy Knowles K220. At yeah. long last. Yeah, yeah Guy Knowles <laughs> yep. K220, yep, on the cover. So that's a uh, a great uh, customer for the brand and presents his trucks incredibly yep. well and yep. known him for a very long time and, and uh, yeah, does does road transport, does line haul road transport mm. incredibly well. He was podcast yep. feature interview uh, a few podcasts back. Probably episode, I don't know, five or six maybe, was uh, keep a look at and you can go back and listen to the Guy Knowles uh, podcast. But he and Helen, just, I mean, just the loveliest people, really. Just fantastically welcoming and just, yeah, Mm. inspirational and runs a great operation with with really cool trucks. And and I think think a very, very worthy, uh, a very worthy cover story for our our acknowledgement of the February of the February 100, mm. 100 years. He's very much the, the trucker's trucker, wouldn't you say? Guy? Oh, just hey? as passionate about it as he mm. was when he, when he first started. Yep, just still just completely immersed in everything that's great about trucking. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, that's, that's just one of those things. He, it's just, he's, just, he's just sort of timeless, you know. Um, you know, you look, you've, um, in the story, you know, sort of talk uh, back about you know, razor sharp and that sort of thing and the, you know, it, it just—he's it, just everything. Yeah, it's that uh, he loves about trucking is just yeah, nothing's changed. He just yeah, day and day, he's doing the same thing, and just he does it all. It's all about passion. It's all about love of the industry, and uh, you know, and serving the client, and and um, you know, delivering. You know, just just delivering on promises, and deli- you know, just and delivering full stop. But he's um, yeah, it's, you look at his history and his heritage. It's you know, nothing's changed. He's just. It's the same recipe, and he just enjoys every blimmin' minute of it. That that Carl uh, t- tip of the hat there for that was one of the best summations. That timeless would be one of the best summations I've ever heard um, mm. around the around around guy. And and the other thing is mm. is like there's completely and utterly welcoming with that. With yeah. you know, like yeah. there's no there's no if you're interested. And want to yarn to him, mate. He's up. He's up for a yarn on a scale. Yeah, you can't yeah, yeah, ahead, mate. He see. He yeah. sees no. Um, he sees nothing in, in in the trucks that there's no. You know, he's completely on the ground with anyone who wants to who wants to have a yarn about his trucks and just yeah. you know that's yeah. just the people they are. Yep. Yep. And absolute yeah. absolute yeah. pride and presentation in the gear. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Just mint. Yep. Mm. 
Yeah. Episode five, that was. I'll have to keep on moving. Was it? Episode, episode five. five. Yep, yep. There the you guy, go. Yep, yep. Guy Noel's interview, yep. Right, yep. what else yep. is in the editor? Uh, Cole, you did a, a a great story on a W95 legend, Smokey and the Bandit style. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, um, Charlie Bailey. Um, so how we found out about that one was uh, it was right back when it was sort of, um, it was, uh, uh, well, sort of like a, a glint in his eye, his uh, dad, Rob Bailey, who's um, like many years behind the wheel and very well known um, in the industry, um, he had a truck that we featured in the Million Mile Club. And anyway, he was a um, very humble man and he, oh, he was over the moon that we were featuring his truck in the magazine and so on. And, and he said, oh, if you like my one, you're going to love my son's one. And um, he's a builder. And I said, oh, really? I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, a builder? I said, what's he buying? I said, thinking like a Chevy or a GMC or something. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. He's got a W925 AR Kenworth coming from Australia with a sleeper and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, what? So the story unfolded. Um, you know, Charlie is a um, construction, uh, you know, well, he's a builder in, in Auckland with a construction company that he owns with another guy. They've um, got a big team of boys on the go and um, all sorts of projects and that. But he's a real hot rod uh, enthusiast and um, uh, motorbikes, couples and all that sort of carry on bits and pieces. And he custom builds for different people and that. But, as a sideline, as a hobby thing. Um, and anyway, the trucking for him goes way back. He used to ride around with Dad and Little Brown Jug uh, combined back in the day. And um, it, there's all that is in the story. But uh, the bottom line is, is that he had always wanted a truck to do a, a truck build, and this is it. He's finally done it. Um, he wanted something that he could trans- – he had the problem where he'd go to a hot rod show and he could only drive one car or ride one bike. And he thought, I, need, I, I want to take more to the show. Um, and so I need a trailer, uh, so I need a truck, and that's what's happened. He's put this thing together, and I mean, those that have seen a video clip kicking around um, of it, and it features many Facebook posts and oh, so yeah. on and so on. It's but, all over the place. Uh, I mean, we, yeah, we, we sat down with him for a good uh, three hours, had a good old chin wag and a chap in his workshop and just talked about the history and where it all came from, and, um, yeah, a real um, a keen, keen truck trucking and transport enthusiast through the time he spent with his dad and now he's enjoying that time again with his dad um, you know on the hobby front sort of a thing so yep great read great story great guys and they're going to be at the Kate Up 100 um, it'll be prior to place there and on display so if you get the, getting along there and going to go um, wandering around and you come across that truck and you find Charlie stop and have a chat you won't regret it great guy yeah, sticking with bonneted Kenworths, um, Alison Barron did a great story on um, T909 for RMD, uh, a bit of a surprise for uh, for Mark Shearson. Um, two years in the yeah. making, two years in the making, they kept it a surprise from him, a uh, uh, yeah, secret from him for all that time, and um, yeah, presented it to him at, uh, at the company's uh, celebration last year, um, October. Um, yeah, so that, that whole story is in there, how you keep truck a surprise in um in a country like new zealand with, <laughs> with all its truck mad truck spotters um yeah and alice yeah, has done what, a fantastic job on that you know you can always tell yeah. when it's done well when you're reading it and it's coming yeah. to the zenith and yeah. you start getting creepy skin and goosebumps yeah you know yeah. And when they were talking yeah. about and he was holding the number plate and they all knew what was yeah. behind the door and he didn't and you're going oh my god you're about to scream in the office and all you're doing is reading the story like, <laughs> you, you, <laughs> it was just like I'd love to have like seen the look on his face when it, the door went up. Yeah, yeah, because like, yeah, oh. they, uh, they, yeah. they sort of um, 
did it in two parts. They presented him with a, a, a plate for the truck, which he thought was for his Uton. As the story goes, he was wrapped with that. And, um, and then all of a sudden, the door goes up and, uh, and there's this big nano with its nose poking into the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> into the hall. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great story. And then yeah. um, something very unusual, um, a bit of a trucks in action piece, um, where uh, entitled Where There's No Road, There Is a Way. Yes, yes, and uh, we did something very we, different. We did this, Craig and I. I accompanied Craig McCauley on this one just before Christmas. I tagged along because I'd always wanted to go up into the roads of the sounds and see what what they're like. And and um, and of course the barge ride on the truck, which the story un, un, uh, unfolds, because the roads bugger now, so they're they're trucking the bar, they're barging the trucks in. And um, but oh my good. Grief, Ben Fletcher on the um, that parks Kenworth and like you know the Coromandel roads are pretty gnarly, <laughs> but but uh, the yeah. uh, Marlborough Sounds roads, uh, especially when the Tarsil runs out at the foot of Mount Stokes, and uh, the surface, the surface that he drove that thing over is just, well, it's not, it's a, it is actually a goat track in a lot of places, and um, and just yeah, getting that thing up and over there and then back out and over there loaded and that like. Uh, big tickets on 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 Ben, just fantastic, and and tickets on the brand, and just yeah, some of the corners are, are like top of the Coromandel sort of stuff, where if, you know you've got to keep the pace on, otherwise it's going to end not very good, and yeah. um, and uh, yeah, fantastic story, uh, uh, and trucks in action, our new sort of semi-regular series as we find them about trucks going to extraordinary places and doing the extraordinary hard yards in the course of their work and this was our fantastic one to kick it off with. Yeah, no, it's, um, it, it certainly was a good read, there's no two ways about it, it's yeah, one to catch everyone, it's um, yeah, yeah, great photography as well, so it's uh, a well-rounded story, absolutely. I was, uh, I took the video gear out and we've made a video and I was. Uh, I said to Gav, "Give us the drone," and he was like, "He said goodbye to the drone because it was probably the last time he thought he was <laughs> going to see." Lost in the Marlborough Sounds how, forever. <laughs> how long, how hard can these things be to fly? But but even I I did the I sort of put a stake in the ground when we were in the in the t- water taxi chasing along the side of the barge with the truck on it. And Craig said, "Charlie, Charlie, take can you take the drone off and f- film it and then land it back on the water taxi as we're steaming along?" I was like, "No." <laughs> No, I, no, if I do that, then we'll, we'll, the, you'll hear a very small splash, and that will the be... Way, the, way, the way to counter that is to say, yes, absolutely, if you're prepared to pay for it, if it goes horribly wrong, <laughs> and, then just, and then see how keen he is. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, he pulled out, you know, one of the great Craig McCauley lines that, you know... Looks at you and goes, "What sort of a pilot are you?" Yeah, which I was, which I was very, which I was very willing to say, an absolutely appalling one, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have attempted that. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, oh, land it back on a moving boat. How hard can it be? Splash. Splash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Famous last uh, words. Mm, mm. Yeah. So, yeah, no. so that's um, yeah, a real, a real um, highlight of Kenworth. This issue. Um, obviously, there's, there's some other stuff Transport? as well. Top truck. Oh, oh, top truck. God, that's two two podcasts in a row. I've forgotten the top truck. Oh, you're fired. Uh, okay, you're, you're rehired. <laughs> <laughs> you need you need someone to, to fly the drone. <laughs> I just yeah, that's right. We did this one over Christmas too, and this is a measure. This is the measure of of uh, of the woman that Craig and I 
are both respectively married to when you can actually go away on New Year's Eve to do, <laughs> to do a top truck uh, shoot and not be seen until next year, the day <laughs> late, <laughs> late the day after. But, oh, how worth it was it. Fantastic truck and a fantastic place doing fantastic work owned by fantastic people. Yeah, yeah, Graham yeah, Bell's just yeah. it was it was it's a, just that really neat again. You know, we all know me and Southland Rural Cartage. You know, and um, a real neat truck. The, mm. His two sons just absolutely mm. just flipping out yeah, over just, the fact that a brand new K two hundred's turned up in the yard. And yeah, I and I love that. the way they've gone for the, it's not blinged out to buggery. Oh, you know, it's, it's very clean. Mm, it's subtle, clean. Subtle. It, um, as Craig says in the story, traditional. Oh, it's just yeah, and it's yeah. got the matching toolboxes down one side, and then the matching diesel oh, and the death tank down, down the other. other side. Oh, yeah, I love that. It's just yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yep. Very neat, and a, and a great poster shot, Mister McCauley. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Great. 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 Great poster carrying, shot. Carrying the trucks in action theme. Yep. So yep, February twenty four. It's definitely an issue not to be missed in the history, mm. of, in the history of road carriage in the country. Yeah, yeah, that's right, exactly. So, yeah, so just like we did for the Max 50th, we've done the same for the Kenworth 100. Oh, good segue there, Captain K, too, and I haven't got this noted down. And just like we did for the Mac uh, 50th, we will be doing a highlights book uh, from mm. our archives through the years, hardcover, with a few extra bits and pieces that won't have been seen um, for to this year. For the, But we're going to... Uh, it won't be out till a bit after February because we're going to include the... The, the last 15 pages will yeah. be uh, the coverage of the event on Waitangi Day and the ins and outs yeah. and roundabouts of that. So yeah. Um, yeah. that'll be a must-have for the shelves because there's some aspects of, you know, you, you're not going to – you probably won't get around all 800-and-something trucks in the time that, that you had. Yeah. I think I think to yeah. have done it, you would have had – by the time this goes to air, she'll be all over, but you would have had to have done about 2.3 trucks a minute, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, right. And that's if, they all t- if they all turn up, that's what you're going to be doing. Yeah, yeah, yep. and that, you know, keep and it moving. That's a challenge for the most the most ardent um, <laughs> truck spider. And and yeah. and and look, huge tip of the hat for what Southpac are doing in terms of the scale that they're undertaking mm. to celebrate their product. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you you don't you know you, the budget for this thing must be. Yeah. Off, off oh, the charts. Oh, can you imagine? You know, and so yeah. it's just a great, it's a great reflection of of ha- of what they think of the product and what the product means to them. Am I correct in saying it's the biggest one make um, show, something along those lines? Oh, know. there's all sorts of stats so, floating yeah. around, but uh, it's just, I mean, it's yeah, going to be, be huge. interesting to see. Yeah. crazy. But it's a it's a fantastic it's a fantastic. Uh, they're throwing they're throwing their they're um they're they're you know they're throwing their one of their big brands a magnificent party that's mm. that's well worthy of its contribution to New Zealand road transport I think anyway that's yep. me yeah 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 there you go there you go um yeah. excellent righto well that's got that sort of done okay what's been happening since we last met over the Christmas period. I've got the good, the bad, and the between. I was going to go the good, the bad, and the ugly. I was going to go the good, the bad, and then. But I've got some things that I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit uh, dollar each way on. Um, so I'll start off with good news: the State Highway 25A bridge uh, that uh, bridged the slip on the Cobra Road was finished 
before Christmas, in time for the holiday traffic, in full, under budget, early. Can you believe yeah, it? Yeah. So, no, fantastic so it can job, be, really. So it, can be, it, it can be done. Yeah, 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 and actually the Thames Coromandel have actually got a bit of a track record going here because I the co, the new Kopu Bridge, the big arch bridge across the yeah. Waio River into Kopu, that was done under budget, under time. Yeah, that's well. right, it was. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Um, yeah. and then of course in the finest uh, in the finest traditions of uh, of um, of um, breath wasters, we then had graffiti artists turn up and graffiti the shit out of it just after it was over. Oh, within days. Within days. Is yep. that right? Yeah. Yep, yep. And, we're, uh, we're, well, words don't fail me, but if I say the words that I want to say through the microphone, um, yeah. uh, we'll probably get a barrage of um, yeah. a barrage yeah. of yeah. abuse from people who support losers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it light and yeah. happy, Dave. Keep it light, Keep and, it light and happy. <laughs> Keep it light and happy. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, but fantastic facility, great bridge. Yep. Yeah, job well done there. Job well done. Yep. Fantastic. Mm. Um, we had some New Year's Honours recipients uh, that we all know uh, mm. appear in the list this year. Uh, Trevor Hawkins of Martinborough Transport uh, Patriarchy yeah. got a uh, yes. got a Queen's Service medal. And so that, that, I mean, that is, I was just thrilled with that because that basically says it all, doesn't it? Like yep. what he's displayed in the community is obviously mm. exactly the same thing as he's displayed within the family, mm. and look, both have benefited. I mean, that that man's a giant, isn't he? Really? Mm. Mm. Yeah, but you just you know to meet him in person and have a chat with him, it just he's just like your best uncle ever. You know, he's just one of those guys that just you know you just chin wag and chat about anything, and he's dead keen and enthusiastic and just wants to hear what you got to say and offers what he's got. He's just like, he's, there's just an energy there that is just, I, I think, I, I'm, I'm damn sure that they've tapped into the fountain of youth down there somewhere. There's, there's some water running out of uh, Mungerton Oak somewhere or something like that. Just not, they, must, they must bottle as they go past and drink or something because they're just, yeah, yeah. Salt of the earth. There you go. I said it. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Far out. He's got the Salt of the Earth Award too. The Carl Kirkbeck yeah. Salt of the Earth Award. <laughs> Sold the yeah, Sold that's the actually that's actually very prestigious because the only people who, are, uh, who have actually got that award is pretty much every other person on the planet. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And yeah. of course, our and, very yeah. own and well, I say well, I say that our very own uh, uh, Lindsay Wood, who yeah. real who, friend of the magazine, real friend of the yeah. magazine, an unlikely ally of the magazine, as he often says himself. It's a, but that's a reflection of his his understanding of how the wheels of mm. commerce mm -hmm. and how the country actually works uh, in the bounds of what he is into, which is obviously climate advocacy and environmental protection and yeah. and low waste and high productivity and, and efficiency and things like that. But he also gets how shit goes, gets from the paddock to your pantry. Yeah, and he's willing to have a conversation yeah. about it. Oh, and willing to have a conversation mm. about it. And here's yeah. both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 absolutely. Yeah. And... Um, and absolutely devoted to that cause. Like he is, he mm. just that is a, that uh, member of the New Zealand Order of Merit Wars that he won was so well deserved because yes. he just he throws himself at that, and a lot of most of it's voluntary. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's right. And just another great bugger to know. Yeah. He yeah. Is. Fantastic. Fantastic mm. guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so congratulations, Lindsay and Trevor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well deserved. Um, cook straight fairies. Which ones? Uh, which ones? <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Which, which, yeah. The Inter-Islander <laughs> replacements, specifically. Yeah. Oh. Which yeah. ones? Yeah, which ones? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah we're not, not. so we're not getting those anymore? By the no, looks no. Well, not not, uh, not the original ones uh, that were on the cards anyway over the last year or so. Yeah. Thoughts on it, Gavin? Well, we need new fairies, don't we? <sighs> Do we need new we fairies? Need new fairies. Like, fairies. No I mind. mean, we need... At least a new ferry, but I mean, yes, it doesn't make any sense getting ferries that um, don't fit into your harbours and don't fit up to. Um, but all that really was is they'd have to turn around a little bit further out and back a little bit further in. Yes, yeah, I suppose. But, I th- but, but it was the budget blowouts that caused it. Yeah, it? well, um, what was what was the budget? It was like one point four billion or something? I think. Along those yeah, lines, oh, I think? Um, yeah, they wanted an increase to yeah. Yeah, Captain K, what are you thinking? Oh look, I mean, yeah, it it oh, God, I mean, it's been going on for millennia, and it's you know the boats just getting older and older and older. They've got to do something. I mean, those the ones that they had lined up. I mean, I, I'd just love to be you know sort of um, at a board meeting or whatever it is, uh, you know, like a planning meeting at Hyundai, and hear them talking about us and uh, the fact you know the you know the bloody cancelled order and the build slot or whatever and that sort of thing. You know, I mean, it must be yeah. You just yeah, you shake your head, don't you? I mean. Well, I suppose they probably get that all the time, though. But, yeah. Um, mm. but, yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's just... Um, there's It's a, such a key piece of infrastructure, mm-hmm. and it's only getting busier. It's not getting any... You know, every sailing seems to be more full, more, more um, uh, you know, uh, time constraints, and this has got to get across, it's got to get across. And it, you know, it, it, there's the amount of stuff that's been moved between the two islands yeah. now is just colossal yeah. um, and the queues that you see down there so for them to sit in the office there and look at that and sort of deem that not a worthy um, investment I, you know where is it going wrong is it yeah you know, it, it must it must be paying for itself or is that where the issue lies is the, the you know the, I mean what they're charging to take a unit across um, you know, is that not correct? Is it being subsidised or something like that? It doesn't feel like it when you see the bloody bills that some of the guys are paying, and that's the thing, you know, on a monthly basis for their bloody units to go backwards and forwards. But, you know, I mean, surely it's a business, and surely it should be making money. I mean, I just, where's it going wrong? I mean, um, okay, Blue Bridge are running, you know, older boats, and that's the carry-on, but at the end of the day, I mean, how many years is it now since uh, the decision was made to buy a boat and put it on the bloody water and and to provide a service. I mean, you know, and it's still going, and they seem to be, you know, they wouldn't be doing it if they weren't making a buck out of it. So where the heck is Inter-Islander going wrong is my is the question I've got. But I don't know. It, you know, I mean, it is a big, it is a, it's a big bill, but, I mean, to cancel both of them, I mean, maybe you would have mm-hmm. modified one and kept one on the order, you know, on the order sheet or something, you know, and then, and then stagger it, you know, maybe five or six years' time and put another one on, or I, I don't know. I yeah, because it, it is, it is crucial. I mean, we've we've spoken about it before. It's, yeah. it's it it is an extension of State Highway One. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is, is the link between the two islands for um, for road and rail traffic. So yeah, yeah it, it needs to be done. The the information I have um, in front of me says the blowout was 
primarily due to the development of the port facilities in Picton and Wellington rather than the two ships themselves. Who cares? Which is interesting. But, you know, in that, do you not want to... It, it again comes down to um, infrastructure. Do we not mm, Do we mm. not want to advance our infrastructure and fu- future-proof those yeah. ports? I know. If you don't do yeah. it now, it's going to happen at, have to happen at some stage. Exactly. Isn't that, yeah, isn't, exactly. Isn't that an interesting... And, and at high cost. Yeah, but isn't that an interesting comment you just made just a second ago? The um, the thing is, is that it uh, the blowout was more so the New Zealand side of the equation, not the actual bloody um, uh, not the boats which are coming in from. You know, they it sounds like is what you've just said then is that they were sticking to budget and uh, they were capable of keeping to budget and building them without a blowout. Um, what is it with New Zealand infrastructure where every bloody thing we do now seems to be there's a blowout? You know, everything's, I mean, okay, the bridge over at the Cape of Hikawai, and that's, that's uh, that, amazingly, that's coming under budget or something, so they say, and that, that's fantastic, great, well done, if, that, if that's the truth. And it's, um, but everything we seem to do is just blowout, you know? Um, where does it go wrong? <laughs> There's got to be some big questions. But, I mean, and I suppose maybe that's what um, our, our good new Prime Minister is actually, you know, he's applying that business the business head to it finally and actually saying, now, hang on, hang on, hang on, nah, this ain't going to wash. Yeah, but the first thing he does is, is bin the ferries. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. And exactly. that's a, and that's a, yeah, and 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 you're you're dead right, Captain K, about it's only going to get busier. But the problem is at the moment, it's only it's getting busier and more decrepit by the day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, this is yeah. this is the the road rail link between the two halves of our country. Mm, mm, like, that's right. Like it's the old, you know, it's the it's my old theory on the climate change things, where the people are getting broiled and it don't put a big sign on the foyer reminding them of what the hell is actually the core thing. You know, they should have mm. a massive, big, big sign in the in the beehive to do with infrastructure and say that is the only railroad link that mm. joins the two mm. halves of our country. Mm. Keep going yeah, back to right. that, and so. And look, yep, Luxon, you know, super businessman, you know, costs, I'm going to keep costs under control, there's going to be no more blowouts, but is this really the one to flex the yeah. muscle on? Because now yeah. we've gone back, now we're going to probably mm. end up with shitty leased ships, we're going to, mm. we, like, we had the opportunity to fix to fix this problem for the next 25 years. All we would have to do going forward is add another big boat in there, at some stage in ten or twelve years' time, if we needed it, and yeah, and yeah. we fix it for another ten years. Yeah, but right. we've come. We, we've come. He's come in at a time where that piece of infrastructure is as screwed and poked as every other bit of infrastructure in the country, and it's super critical because it is the only road rail link between our two uh, that divides the two halves of our country and bind it. Yeah. So so yeah. what are you going to do now? in a hurry to mm. fix it. There mm. is no fast solution. And the thing that really pissed me off with it is we throw so much money to the wind on just worthless piffle. Mm-hmm. And yet I would have said to them, right, okay, yep, yeah, right. Here's the budget. Here's your new amount. That is actually it. There is no more this time. And I would have made it given them $100 million more than they'd asked for and say that mm. is absolutely it. I want these two boats and I want these two ports delivered with that money and mm. and then we fix something we, like we've actually 
fixed something. We can yeah. we can turn away from that. And when yeah. you look at its cost benefit over the next thirty years in terms of the tonnage of freight that will be shifted, the ex- the extra amounts piss all. It's nothing. When you think of the economic dependence on that stretch of water in those boats, the extra money was nothing. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's right. So when there's a situation when all three are tied up yeah. at, at dock, then uh, yeah, then you, then they, your extra will, yeah, yeah your extra quarter of a billion is going to look pretty pissy, isn't it? Mm. Yep. Yeah, that's right. You know, while we're all sitting here waiting for some tub to grind its way from Spain, some second-hand bloody English Channel crossing bloody thing that's just, you know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, right. So here, yep, we just continue to have not fixed something. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of fixing yeah. something, the Brindewans. Yeah, so I'm a dollar each way on this one. I get it. I understand. I understand everything about the frustration and the time. But if they can come in under budget and under time and deliver Northland a road link that's worthy of the road link Northland deserves and can get it done as fast as possible without... When you look at the road between Waihi and Tauranga, and we've spent nine years grinding our way mm-hmm. to Tauranga with 57 mm-hmm. sets of 50k roadworks. Oh, like the last time I would have driven a truck or a car directly to Tauranga at pace at the road limit would have been almost a decade ago. And yeah, and a scary so if they can mm. if they can hook into the Brindewans, be left alone for two months, hit it with every big piece of earth moving equipment they can, and fix the bastard thing once and for all, so Northland has a road link worthy of what Northland deserves, then just get in and do it. Absolutely, yeah. Just take yeah. the take the short term pain and and um, um, inconvenience. Yeah. And um, yeah, focus on the bigger picture, get the job done. Yep, yep. And that certainly wasn't the case with the ferries. I would. I would uh, suggest to offer end, yeah. ending on yeah, it. <laughs> no, go on, Captain K. No, 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 no I was just like, yeah, that's exactly, yeah, that's exactly it. You, you do tend to start wondering, like, if uh, if the uh, the general theme of um, how things are going to be run has been um, sort of laid down with the decision made on the ferries and so forth for the rest of infrastructure in New Zealand, what is the next three years going to look like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yep, Luxon's on notice to deliver something. If he's going to bin the ferries at the 11th hour like this, and then something yeah. pretty bloody good better turn up pretty bloody quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Um, so ending on a good note, Truck of the Year Australasia 2024 is upon us. As soon as I've finished this Zoom meeting, I'm into another one to talk to my fellow uh, judge. Is judges about the 20th. We've got three uh, hot contenders. Uh, yeah. We've got the Scania Super Series, the mm-hmm. Western Star uh, X, X series, series, and the Volvo FH or F Series Electrics. Yeah, what do we think yeah. about electrics? Yeah. Uh, well, you'll have to wait and see what <laughs> we think about electrics, uh, Gavin Myers. You'll just have to wait and see. There's no crowbarring it no. out of me yet. 13th March, that's the date of the award. Oh, yes, because yeah. that's we're going to do it at the, uh, the TMS conference at, yep, in Christchurch. The TMS, yep, in conference. And so yep. we'll be talking to Carol a little later on in this podcast about how progress is going on that. That'll be a great event. And so, yeah, more yeah. to report, more to report um, shortly. But, yes, three very worthy contenders. It's going to be very interesting to see which way it goes. It yeah, will be. Yeah, yeah, that's going to yeah. be a, yeah. an interesting chat for the next podcast. And I've driven them all, and Ooh, I will yeah. reveal my, <laughs> my driving thoughts once we – the thoughts that drive me <laughs> – <laughs> so straight after we're finished here, which will be very shortly, because as I've said, we've got a 
podcast, uh, a Zoom meeting to go to about the truck of the year, but we have got the Mike's Transport Warehouse feature interview for the podcast coming up shortly, brought to you by, as I've just said, Mike's Transport Warehouse. We are talking yeah. to, we had a fantastic res- response a couple of years ago to Ron McLean's story on the early days of RMD and the big Kenworths and Ian Rorison's, yeah, yes. and that, the yes. response we got from that and the feedback he's had from people who read that story has just been amazing. So Ron is going to relay pretty much the the the, the voice version of the story plus plus other tidbits, other tidbits, other yeah, tidbits that, 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 that we couldn't print. Yep, uh, for the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that we have a sort of a Kenworth esque theme lined up. Uh, for the yeah. February podcast and at the same month that the celebration's happening. So nice. a great old yeah. gutsy Kenworth bloody... Yeah. Yep, and as I say, brought to you by... Our, that uh, feature interview is incredibly well supported by our friends at Mike's Transport Warehouse and we have their latest... Yep. Yeah. Mailer yes. in front. February in front, Yes, and so Carl's going to buy 8,000 personally monogrammed mud flaps. Uh, my flap, yep, yeah. yep, that's me. Yeah, I am. I'm going to place my order. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that. But what a, what a, I mean, hey, far out. That I mean, that is something. You know that that uh, custom mud flaps. There you go, thirty three bucks each, starting from uh, minimum order. Of what fifty identical mud flaps, but personalised with your own logo and branding and colours and everything like that on on the. That's just incredible. Yep, and I've just told Anna we're going to buy 24 more car trailers. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's what... Custom New Zealand trucking mud flaps. Oh, man. Hey, look, there you go. New Zealand trucking mud flaps, eh? That's a line for the merchandise. Yeah, yeah. We should get them to run up a set of new... Yeah, New Zealand trucking... Wow, mate. Mud trailer Uh, mud flaps. You actually get uh, an increased rating of 250 kgs on your trailer if you put those mud flaps on. (laughs) If you put those mud flaps on. (laughs) And and an extra 135 horsepower and 25 newton metres of torque. Yeah, yeah. And you get a skull gear changer. Uh, yeah. For the <laughs> yeah, but do, do we get a yellow and red button for the dashboard? Only you would do that. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, 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 but it's always a little. It's always a little bit of a of a bit of a man love thing when your buddy will whipping through there. You see, oh, you see things. Oh, I'd like some of those. I'd like some of those. I know. Rhino I know. stainless gas, stainless, stainless steel cards, guards, yeah. stainless steel yeah. guards. Yeah. Ooh. Aye. Aye. Yes, no, it's all there. It's all there. That's definitely worth a look through this month. That's for sure. There's some goodies. Now, yep, Gavin, Gavin, just for poking the beer, he said he went, <laughs> and, he went and circled pull-up, pop-up road cones. New Zealand is the land, of the, <laughs> the land of the ongoing orange road cone, after all. Yeah. And uh, you can have your very own pull-up, pop-up road cone from Mike's Transport Warehouse this month. Um <laughs> Featuring an interior light for night use and a flash option. Well, they'd be handy in the house because, like, when the mother-in-law come to visit, you could put them around her to keep the children away. Like, <laughs> that's right. To warn them yeah. of a um, to warn them of, uh, of a dangerous yeah. area. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. But no, yeah, yeah, in all yeah. seriousness, in all seriousness, I do think that's a pretty nifty, uh, a nifty device, actually. Um, yeah, for for your truck yard or um, I suppose any any other domestic application, as, as Dave points out. Yeah. Have, you, have, um, have you had the fifth vaccine? The fifth. <laughs> have you have you had the fifth vaccine, Gavin? Well, are we going down the conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I yeah, yeah. I just want I to. Suppose, um, I suppose we, 
you could have, you could have, you could have, if there was, yeah, there's, well, no, we're not going to go there. No, 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 no. Backpedal. No, no, I was just, just going to say this. There's certain, um, there's certain sort of uh, marks out there that might need, you know, those in their boot of their vehicle or something like that, you know, that, but I, we won't start naming marks because then we'll get, yeah, we'll get, we'll get slammed. Yes, I think but, you'll, you know, be, for, I for think those, you'll be get a, a one way ticket to Slope Point and beyond if you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there are there are certain vehicles out there where that would actually be quite a handy thing to have in the boot because of their reliability and their. We'll leave that for viewers' discretion and viewers' decision and viewers' input. But yeah, more, more on the clearance page um, of uh, of the pamphlet this month. Um, some uh, detailers and custom cleaners and wheel cleaners and yeah. uh, sealants from Wicked. Um, yeah, those are going for a steal. Um, yep. and, uh, and and much, much more besides. I like that Hella Micro LED halogen work lamp close range. That's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. And I just want to, I think I'm going to nominate the LED light just as a thing, like not that, like I'm talking about the mm. LED light uh, in the next uh, Queen's Birthday Honours list. Because I don't think anything has been more such a gift from heaven to road transport yeah. in the last 30 years than the than the LED lights. Yeah. yeah. To, to, right. to vehicles in general, actually. You're going oh. to set me going here because, as you know, I've got a thing for vehicles with good headlights. Yeah. And LED technology in 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 modern day vehicles is just oh man I mean you you couldn't do without it you wouldn't want to replace any of those units in in the case of an accident but uh, but yeah I mean just the technology is outstanding but just the fact that like on a B train truck and trailer starting at three in the morning or whatever and that and you switch it on and the lights and the light ninety nine point nine nine times out of a hundred the light will come on and if it doesn't it's not the light's fault <laughs> and, and, and it's good quality light oh yeah yeah fantastic. Yep. Mike's Transport yep. Warehouse, get down there, call them, yep. email them, uh, yep. get in touch with them. There's endless amounts of stuff in this month's pamphlet. And uh, why would you go anywhere else? Three blokes yarning on the podcast episode 28. I've got a Zoom meeting to go to. My fellow judges are waiting yep. for me. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen, to have you here as normal. And we look forward to yep. uh, to relaying the great stories of the Kenworth 100 years in the next podcast yeah. and what we got up to and what happened and all of the great things mm-hmm. that went on on the Waitangi weekend. This is another Trucking Radio 24-7 podcast in association with New Zealand Trucking Magazine. Trucking Radio and the Keep On Moving podcast. We're at episode 28 uh, of the Mike's Transport Warehouse uh, feature interview on the podcast. And I've got to keep saying this because I'm going to sound like the boy that cried wolf because, man, have we got a feature interview for you this month. This is going to be an absolute ripper and it is going to be so popular, I can tell you now. Um, This month, February uh, 28, 24 obviously is a big month for Kenworth uh, in New Zealand where Southpac celebrate Kenworth's 100 years. It's New Zealand's uh, turn to celebrate uh, the birthday last year and we're doing it this month in uh, Waitangi weekend at Mystery Creek. And I wanted a really good, meaty, gutsy Kenworth, guts and glory, power, long hours of work, big trucks, uh, going hard, podcast feature interview in the history of the magazines 40 years uh there's been two articles that have uh, stood out 
hugely uh, and uh, in the history of the magazine. People my age who would remember one of the great road tests of all time, if not the greatest road test of all time in the magazine, uh, one of the one of the real uh, big uh, road test articles ever that just earned so many fans and had all of the young trucking uh, uh, aficionados and propeller heads and foamers like myself just on the edge of our seat and we read it until the words fell off the page. And that was the December-January 1985 road test of the RMD W900 uh, Kenworth, driven by Ken Forsyth, and recounting a, a day with him uh, from the mount down to uh, Pew Pew and then across to the uh, <coughs> uh, Hawke's Bay and then back to the mount. And it had everything we wanted. It had a Kenworth, it had big engine, it had big power, it had experienced driver, it had the Napier Taupo Road, it had every single thing that truck famers could possibly could possibly uh, want. And not only that, but the opening photograph, the famous photograph of the big jackknife with the trailer right around beside the truck, and, um, and uh, Ken dressed immaculately and looking like he was dressed to go to a... To, to go to a wedding, it, it was the whole it was the whole deal for us. It was the whole deal, and everyone listening to this that got that magazine as a young fella or a very young adult or a kid just will be going, "Yeah, yeah." We talk about that magazine all the time. Then, good friend of mine uh, who I've known for a good many years now through through associations, through work, and and uh, uh, mutual employers that we've worked for simultaneously in the same company in the same group, uh, Ron McLean, who was a Driver at RMD quite early on in the in the TS3 Comma days, he came down from Wangarei as a young boy, so I lined up a TS3 Commas on Hewlett's Road and thought that's a bit of me. Went up, left home, came back down to the mountain. The rest is history. And uh, and he he transited through the, the the tough times of the dairy downturn when RMD sort of had a bit of a retrench and a restructure and popped up again. Uh, uh, with the main main source of the business being the the serpentine mine at Aria where they kicked things off again and began the generation of big Kenworths from there when they when they got back on their feet. And um, Ron contacted me, oh, I would have been, what are we, 24 or, or almost four years ago now, and said, oh, do you think, I've got a bit of a story I've been working on on the early days in the of uh, RMD and the, and the Kenworth days. Do you think, you know, would you like to um, put that in the magazine? So when I came to from passing out um, and said, and said, and said, you, you wonderful man, you send it through. Uh, and we put it in the December, uh, Chris, and we put it in the double Christmas issue in 2020, and that article has probably been one of our most feedback articles ever. That, that was exactly what we as truck enthusiasts just want to read. And um, so you wouldn't believe it, but on this month, which is Kenworth's, uh, the New Zealand celebration of the 100 years, I'm sitting in a house in Otomotai, and I have got Ron McLean and Ken Forsyth sitting over the table uh, from me, and we're going to do basically the podcast verbal version, and we're just going to sit back and listen to great stories of uh, big trucks uh, working hard and long hours. One of the things that I will say that I've always picked up from the RMD story is, uh, and I'm going to get my, I've been badgering my good mate Craig McCauley, a uh, freelance journalist, truck driver and that for the magazine, because uh, he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of Outback Australian uh, 
cattle trains and road trains and trucking. And uh, I want to do an article on the greatest truck names in Australasia that have ever been assigned to trucks. And I think that the New Zealand armour, that Ian Rorison and the Rorison's Mineral Development brand in those glory years would take some heading off for truck names. They had some of the best truck names ever. Trucks like Fistful of Dollars, Easy Rider, The Clipper, The Hustler, The Power Game, The Spoiler, The Cool One, The Stirrer. It just goes on and on and on. And so everything about that company uh, was cool. And I'm sure the names of those trucks will make a grand appearance in that article when it finally turns up. But we've got Ron and Ken here. We're going to start with Ron because he he joined in 1976, uh, about a year, 18 months, two years before Ken did. Um, but we're going to pick the story up uh, from the start of the uh, the Kenworth era uh, at the mine at Aria and uh, nine kilometres inland from Pew Pew. And we're going to start with Ron receiving a phone call from Ian Rorison saying that I've got a truck here, would you like to stop what you're doing and come back to the company, having been uh, had a bit of a break in the downturn, and drive this truck. And uh, did you take much convincing? Took no convincing at all, actually, Dave. So, <laughs> uh, it was a, a dream, firstly, to drive a Kenworth and secondly, to work for Rorison. So uh, when I got that phone call, it was um, like, yeah, when, when can I start? So um, at that stage... That was uh, the spoiler. That was a, um, a glider kit that was made up in the workshop at Mount Monganui. So that was the third truck in the fleet. So the first one was the cab over number 86. Funnily enough, Ian just kept on numbering his trucks from the, from the early days. So uh, the last Fiat would have been, you know, three numbers before that. So oh, OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he picked up the, the truck thing again, he just yeah, kept the fleet kept, numbers yeah, going. Just kept the fleet numbers going. Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Even though we only had number 86 was the first truck of the re you know, the reprocessing of of starting again. And, uh, and and when it was new, Gary drove, Gary Rawson drove it. And then uh, when I started, uh, Lee Goodall was driving number 86 and Mel Crothers was driving the cool one, which was the uh, first conventional single drive A-train. And, yeah, so I started on that. I'll never forget the morning that uh, I went with uh, Marshall Rawson, um, Ian's youngest son, took me down to Aria on a Saturday morning to... to um, I don't know, to blood me in, and I just couldn't believe, um, you know, going from a 1418 Mercedes to a 335, the, the, the power for a start, and Marshall sitting beside me saying, go faster, go faster, go faster, <laughs> when it was a single drive pissing with rain. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and all I wanted to do was just take my time and, and, and get a feel for it. So uh, that was a Saturday morning. We shot down, got a load of serpentine, brought it back to what was... Uh, known as BOP Fertiliser at Mount Monganui, now called Balance. And, yeah, so that's what we did. We, um, we carted serpentine and lime out of the quarry at Aria. Serpentine went to uh, uh, the Kiwi Fertiliser Company in Morrinsville, New Zealand Farmers Fertiliser in New Plymouth, to BOP Fertiliser Mount Monganui, East Coast Fertiliser at yeah. uh, Napier, and also down to KP Fertiliser in Monganui. Right. So... so they were our day runs. No backloading in those days. We were just fifty uh, percent. We'd go empty down to the quarry, get our load, and uh, go take it to where it was going during the day, and then come back and and uh, pick up a second load to go wherever it, in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. So so serpentine is a magnesium yeah, ad- additive to yeah, fertilizer, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So serpentine's a magnesium, twenty four percent magnesium that uh, goes into making serpentine super. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Is it a is it horrible shit to cut? Is it like abrasive and gritty, or is it what's its constitution? Is uh, it? It's just uh, green, and yeah. <laughs> green and dusty. Green and dusty. Yeah. So it's it's a, <coughs> a rock that's uh, mined out of the out of the the uh, quarry and area, and crushed down to really fine um, particle size. And uh, so does it run all right when you're tipping it off, or too fast? Oh, does it just yeah, pour out? You does have it? to let your covers go, otherwise you would suck your pole and you know, like yeah, it would yeah. just come out in one lump. Yeah. yeah. And what about when it's wet? Does it cling to the side? Do you have to yeah, get in so and yeah, 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 get in with the shovel and get going? Well, you just got to realise back in those days there was no uh, cover. The, the quarry, the mud would get up to the you know up to your, up to the bottom of your wheels, the rims, your rims, and uh, we used to have to go into that quarry like. At about fifty kilometres an hour to get to where we were going in a single drive and, yeah. and, and sledge yeah. our way in there and uh, and 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 get a, you know if it was raining, which happens often in the King Country. Yes, it does. And you roll your cover forward. There was no cover. There was no shed to get under. You just had to you know put up with a wet deck and and, and load yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was you load up over under the bin, or if there's nothing in the bin overhead bin, you'd have to load up. Uh, uh, with a half ninety loader, with had no windscreen and uh, no, <laughs> did have a cab but no windows and and then the pouring rain, you know, like five ton a bucket and and uh, yeah. so it was all guest loading. Yeah, know, all the icrometer, icrometer. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. so we, we used to weigh our loads in a progress transports yard at Pew Pew. So we'd guest load and that's nine kilometres and you'd go in there and you're either underloaded or overloaded. Uh, was never perfect, but mainly overloaded. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> In those days, you got less trouble if you're a bit over than a bit under. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, um, the old Toledo scales were pretty good because you could put your hand around the back of them and you could make up your load if you were underloaded, <laughs> or you could take a bit off if you're overloaded. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Now the spoiler was called the spoiler because it had a spice of spoiler gearbox in it, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it was. It How was did that go for you? It didn't go that well. <laughs> It wasn't a good gearbox. It could uh, it could never change cleanly, uh, no matter how hard you tried. So I don't know. It only done about thirty thousand k when we tossed it out and, and put a thirteen speed Road Ranger in. Oh, okay, you did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it was just a disaster. Excellent. And I thought it was me, so um, uh, I let somebody else have a drive and say, "You drive this truck and see how you go." And uh, and everybody else had had a turn in it. Uh, they couldn't drive it and change gears cleanly. So you must have felt really good at that point. Well, yeah, it made me feel better when somebody else <laughs> said, this is a pile of corruption. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so just for the the, the younger, well, <laughs> I was going to say younger people listening, but I keep forgetting how old everyone is now. Um, for those that weren't around pre-road user charges, the, the whole configuration game and, and pre the 44-ton thing when they really started to settle the VDAM thing down and start, you know, a 44-ton was the death now for A-trains pretty much. And so, but you're talking an era of where single-drive tractors towing an A-train were, they were they were the shit because you could put 24-ton on those, couldn't you? Uh, well, 26 ton. Right. Oh, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> on the semi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a class one road. Remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a motorway. Remember, way, remember the road down from uh, Cambridge to uh, down to the quarry was a class two road all the way. Yeah. And uh, we, were, we were destined to, to class two loading, but uh, we would still get 26 ton on. and, and uh, Because on the, on the um, 
tandems on the on the on the semi, we would lose uh, up three ton when we got weighed up on the scales. Yeah. So that gave us that extra two ton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, different times, but it was actually the yeah the advent of road user charges that killed the single drive. So it, uh, it, uh, single drive track unit became un- uneconomic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Road user tax. So how many of them did you have in the fleet when the when the axe fell and the government brought in the whole forty four ton ruck and the ruck well, ruck thing beforehand, obviously yeah. well beforehand. But how long when how many in the fleet when that happened? There were four of them. Four there were four, four of them, them yeah. and so you just had to weed your way out of them slowly, sort of thing. Yeah, well, it took a while because yeah. you know, like it just uh, they they brought the flag down on on the road user charges and uh, <laughs> so when the road user charges came in, we had two lots of hubometers as well, so we would have loaded. Uh, hubometers and on, on the quick hitch and uh, and we'd put the empty ones on when we're empty. Yeah. So we're buying empty and, and loaded road user charges. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's called innovation, isn't it? Well, it's um, in our book, it would be yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so, um, so the first truck though that arrived on the scene uh, in the Kenworth days of the uh, of the when it. The, when the the rise of the second generation out of the out of the uh, Aria operation was um, was the Hustler, wasn't it? Which was a four by two K model A train. No, it was the ah the, no, the power it was game. The power, the power game. game. That's yeah, right. It was yeah. the power game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a four by two track unit. Yeah, I just uh, as I was saying before, that truck was brought into the country according to Ian Hobbs for AG Russian Company. Who uh, carted vegetables from uh, Pukekohe down to Rotorua daily? Yeah, and uh, they sold out to direct transport and, and cancelled the order on the four by two track unit, and Ian picked it up. Right, and that those trucks had Mills Tui uh, aluminium bathtub and body on on the semi and trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. when was yeah. the switch made to TNG? Oh, that wasn't remember? until we got one oh no one oh one one oh one the four KT four fifty. Yep, that was the first TNG body. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so that was. About eight nineteen seventy nine eighty. Yeah, 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 yep, yep, yep. So here's a question for you both. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you both. Uh, enters uh, you got two Kenworth sitting in front here. There's six by four with body with uh, tubs on them with four axle trailers. One's got a KT engine in it. One's got an NTC big cam in it. Which one do you want to drive? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cute. The KTs, they were a good motor, but they didn't last. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. Good Jacobs, um, but nah, it, it, I think you'd get more life out of the, the big Cam 400. Yeah, yeah. exactly, because um, yeah. that first KT 450 was an absolute disaster. You used to have a lot of trouble with the um, injectors and... Uh, and Mel had the 350 um, single drive 97, and uh, he could pass Gary coming up the Kaimois. Yeah. And what? And they'd have a 335, yeah, three, 350, 350, 350, 350 against the KT450, and uh, and uh, Mel would <laughs> run around him coming up the Kaimois. So uh, there was a standing joke because I was driving 103, and and um, and Gary was driving the KT450 101. Yeah, and uh, I'd be turning right to go to Napier at the at the uh, eight mile junction, and uh, Ken would be going to over to Rotorua to get the injectors changed. <laughs> <laughs> and so, if it wasn't for the um, warranty that Cummins offered on that motor, uh, that that truck would never have made any money. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. His trailer was sticking out of uh, K 
Cummins and Rotorua more days than it was on the road. Yeah, interesting. And it's interesting you say that because I did uh, a podcast with Alan Tanner a few mm. years ago about the big trucks of Tanner's sawmills, and they had that W model with the 525 yeah, in it. Yeah, and, right. he, and he said it wasn't a good truck, like it wasn't the truck they always thought it would be. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he said it was, uh, yeah, it would get it. Gave its fair share of trouble, so yeah, that's mm. that's interesting because really popular engine and outback Australian cattle train operations. Oh yeah, you know yeah. that that they are really really popular popular motor. Right, so we um, the, then the thing about the North Island is that I always say about the South Island and and it, you know physics is physics, like the, but the South Island if if you've got a, a truck run that's running basically down the east coast of the South Island from say. North Canterbury down to, down to I don't know, foot of the Kilmog almost really, and once you pass past Dunedin, like even out into Southland, if you stay away from the Alps, it can be quite docile going for trucks. Like that Canterbury Plains goes for hours and hours on a, you know. But the North Island doesn't, like it doesn't matter where you set out from, at some point if you're starting at Aria and you're going to Napier or Taranaki or, well, even, I mean, Auckland's probably your flattest run, and that's not flat by any stretch of the imagination, or going to the Mount, there's something to cross, isn't there? Everything. So he was always on the hunt for more power, wasn't more he? More horsepower. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I recall um, Peter May saying to him one day, uh, Ian, where do you think that the, um, the horsepower will stop? And Ian looked around and looked at the ground looked up again. He said, I believe it'll stop at around about 800 horsepower. And here we are now with like seven seventy scars. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, you know, a guy that was um, way, and he's way he, ahead of his time. He's decades away yeah. from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Happening, is, we're talking forty five, forty five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty, yeah. or nearly fifty years ago. Yeah. yeah, and I suppose one of the things, like I say, they go back to that phrase, the younger listeners. But I don't know what that actually means. That could mean someone forty five or under at the moment. <laughs> but like you know, um. That 335 Cummins and 350 Cummins is in 400s and then 475 on the Easy Rider test and 85. Like, that. that's big gear. It was big gear, yeah, like, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we had a saying for the, uh, you know, like, we we spent more time catching up to the, the, the slower trucks. We used to call them mobile roadblocks. You know, the stock trucks that were going to uh, down, down into the Taranaki <laughs> and you get a day like today where you've had a bit of drizzle and uh, you're following a stock truck up um, Mount Messenger and we would struggle for traction in the, in the shit that was coming out of the crates, you know. Oh, we yeah. wheel spin yeah. all the way up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so. Because they're not a, not only they're big power for the era, but single drive, you're not losing, like you've only got one diff to drive, haven't you? So yeah. you, what do they say, yeah, a diff's yeah. worth 10 or 15% or something? That's if, right. Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, well. Old leaders of. Osborne's, eh? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Like yeah pass them before you get to Mount Messenger. Yeah, cat-powered commas yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And um, you'd get to, uh, you, you know, even just coming up the Tekawiti Hill, coming back loaded towards uh, towards the Mount, on a day that was just drizzly, you know, we, we'd, we'd be um, like doing a wheelie all the way up the hill. You know, they just squeal all the way up the hill. And just keep yeah. the foot under it. Yeah, just yeah, keep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't, don't button off. Don't, don't let go. <laughs> don't let go. Yeah, yeah. don't let go. Yeah. So what was your first uh, truck at RMD? Uh, old 86. I started on that. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, you'd come from, you came from Alexander's, eh? Cause you, so you had a bit of Kenworth under your belt already. Oh, a little bit. Um, yeah, I drove for John during a May season and a grape season. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, to RMD from there, yeah. 
And what 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 was that? What made the, the jump there was for what were you chasing? Well, was it just the like the look of the place or the uh, work or? Yeah, well, the Alexander work was going to dry up. Um, he sold. I went with the feed trucks. When, yeah. Um, and then he sold the feed trucks out to NRM. Yeah. Uh, I. Yeah, and then. Um, oh. I think I was been talking to Gary Rorison and he says, oh, the old fella's looking for someone else. And then I get the phone call. Yeah. So, so where were you living at that stage, Ken? Oh, I was at Welcome Bay then. Oh, yep, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Can you remember your first load, Ken? Because I can. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, Ken's first load on 86 because... Ian asked me to go with Ken on the, on the first day that he started work, and uh, our first load, your first load was to Midlands at T-Rail, load of lime. Was it? Yeah. Oh yeah, I can't remember that. From Aria. Yeah, from, from Aria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what? Was, so a lot of you lived at the Mount, or did you all live at the Mount? Yeah, we all or? lived at the Mount. So how did what? Tell us what an RMD day looked like back in then. So you got nine, seven or eight, nine Kenworths lined up. Well, back in those days, three probably. Four. Four. Yeah. 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 So yeah, they were all single drive A trains. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'd do uh, one to Kiwi at Moronsville or one to New Zealand Farmers Fertiliser New Plymouth or one to the Mount. From what? From, from, from Aria. Yep. So we'd start at the Mount, go down empty to the quarry, load up with SERP and go to one of those uh, three destinations. That was when we first started and then we would have to call up uh, Ian on the way back or when we got back to the quarry to find out what our home load was. Okay? Right. So all we had then was those uh, the open channel RTs. Right, so, so everyone could hear everyone. Yeah, everyone yeah. could hear everyone. And, um, and it would be put a load of lime on and give us a call at Kiki. Yeah. Know? Or put a load of serp on and give us a call at Kiki. Yeah. Head north. Yeah. Head, head north. north. <laughs> head north. Put a load yeah. on and head north. Yeah. 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 And uh, we often used to think he'd be ringing buy selling exchange to try and sell the load. Because. Buy <laughs> 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 selling exchange. Yeah. Well, we reckon that because, you know, you get to Kiki and you say, oh, just give us another call at Cambridge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, give him a call at Cambridge. Oh, yeah, just um, just run that one down to Edgecombe, mate, will you? You know, yeah. like, so we'd do one one to New Plymouth and one to Edgecombe. Yeah. You know, and, and it's then a pretty big day. It's a pretty big day, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then all the, fam- uh, the famous in the article that you, uh, uh, Ron, about um, if you drew the short straw, it was tip off at T-Row and then you knew what was coming next. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that, yeah, that, yeah, so that was one day that... Uh, um, Moss Schultz rang uh, Ian and said, um, how soon can I get a load of a um, couple hundred tonne of lime? And uh, he says, just a minute, he, he calls me up, he says, uh, where are you, mate? And I said, I'm just at Carapiro. He says, yeah, just drop that load of lime at uh, Midlands at Terrier, will you? Yeah, okay. So when I pulled up in, uh, at the yard, Moss Schultz came out of the office shaking his head, he says, mate, I only ordered this load 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the load home, you know, that was on the, on our way home in the afternoon. Yeah. And you think, oh, well, this is good, I'll just be able to drop my trailer there and go home and you know, um, empty it uh, at Tyrell, Ian. Okay, he said, just give us a call back at the quarry. Yeah. <laughs> so go back for the third load. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. those were 1,000 K days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're yeah. talking 350, 335 horsepower trucks. Horsepower. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And roads that have got a, had a lot of cosmetic alterations between then and now. Absolutely. Yeah. And and uh, in heat like we just had uh, this summer, no, no air conditioning. Yeah, so, oh, what was the first one? The cool one was the first... Cool one, yeah. Was the first truck to come with a 
red dot looking thing on the roof, wasn't roof, it? That's it was, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So would yeah. Gary have got that new? Uh, no, Mel Carruthers got that new. Oh, Mel Carruthers got yeah. that new. Yeah, 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 yeah. So was that a was that another? Was that a three three five A train A train yeah yeah, yeah. but that was, was W model yes yep. so you ended up with two Ks and two Ws in the four A trains did you yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. so it wasn't until we got um, you know like we just had the eighty six cab over and then three three W model yeah yeah and then from there we got one hundred one which is a KT four fifty yeah and that's a six wheeler three axle yeah. three axle yeah 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 yep. then when road users um, change. It got modified to a four axle trailer. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. Here's the next question. You got two W model Kenworth sitting out there. They're both six by fours with four axle trailers. They both got tubs. You know, set up as bulkies. We've decided they've got NTC big cams in them because that's that's the thirteen speed or fifteen speed. Fifteen. Fifteen speed any day. Oh. Okay. Yep. Tell me why. Tell me why. Well, you don't get that sickening overdrive whine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <speed>. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. And you bloody ear all day. <laughs> yeah, and you've got deep reduction too that give you more, gives you more bottom gears. And yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I'd go with a 15-speed any day. And, and a gear is always a gear, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, in. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah. Once it's in, you know that it's in. It's not, yeah, could be in. They're a good gearbox. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, bulletproof really, eh? Mm. Yep, yep. yep. Well, the thirteen speed, you know, used to do the back end, back end of the thirteen. The splitter used yeah. to uh, go on them, and, and uh, our workshop at the mount was like, you know, the F one pits. So you call up, you call <laughs> up Ian and say, oh, that's, there's no time for stopping them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you know, the, um, yeah. the splitter's um, missing on the thirteen speed. So oh, yeah, we just come in at night and uh, and the. Um, yeah, Barry Reed or Graham Goodall. Graham, Graham Goodall, yeah. He yeah. slipped the back off the gearbox and put another one on that was sitting on the shelf and bought you up and get, go away. So yeah. there was no missing a load because there was something wrong. Same if uh, you had uh, with a single drive, you could feel that the um, tooth had come off the pinion. And uh, you call him up and say, oh, the yeah, tooth's coming off the pinion. Right, I come into night and we'll change the diff over. So she was only an hour and a half, you know, pull the driving head off, pull the axles, pull the driving head off, put another one in, fill up with oil and put the axles Back in and away you go. Yeah. So there was no, you know, it wasn't like uh, two days in a workshop or anything like that. Everything was fixed, ready to go tomorrow. I think there's a marginally different approach to it all nowadays. When it, uh, well, don't get me started on that. Come on. <laughs> don't get me started yes. on that. Yeah. Ron's just bursting to come yeah. forth and say something. For the <laughs> oh, that's, uh, yeah. That, so to, let's have a uh, tyres. That's a great RMD story, isn't it? Tyres, yeah, single drives. Yeah, used to spit the drivers off pretty frequent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the uh, the story is is that if you put a brand new uh, set of front tyres and drive tyres on on the first of the month, by the first of the next month, you had another set going. Shit, is that right? We them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So fourteen thousand k's we're doing a month, and uh, you you just um, in for a new set of drive tyres. Yeah, and and. Yeah, and uh, steer tyres were reasonably yeah. rapid turnaround too, weren't same. they? Same, yeah, mm-hmm. same. And the, he hung on to he gri- he hung on to the to the to the uh, uh, multi piece uh, rim bloody rag tyre uh, cross plies for a long time, didn't he? Yeah, it wasn't until we got uh, the Eager Beaver, which was uh, Barry Glynn's truck, one hundred and five. Yeah, that was six yeah. Frankums, yeah, X, yeah, yeah. Same spec as yours, three three five. 
Yeah, three three five, and it had uh, it, it came with um, tubeless tyres. Oh, and so Ian, I remember when it, when it pulled up to the workshop, we were there, and, and Ian says, "Oh, I'm going to soon change these rooms back to the split rooms." And we said, "No, please just try these. Please yeah. just try them because we knew that." that yeah, 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 yeah. So um, he persisted, and uh, and that was the change to tubeless, really. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you but, you went from fourteen thousand to fifty thousand, didn't you? Yeah, when we well, that was when Bandags came out, you know. So we would have uh, the old Dunlop tyres recapped and go back on the drivers, and they'd do, you know, ten to fifteen thousand, ten to fourteen thousand. And it was when um, Bandag came out, we went from there to to up to about fifty thousand. Yeah, which would have made a world of difference to your bloody. That's like a new set of tyres every three months oh. rather than every month, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, like, did he see the? Like, did he see straight away? Did he go, oh, shit, we should have done this ages ago? Or? Well, he was never wrong, so he would, <laughs> he, would, he would never admit to the fact that we were, you know, yeah, a, a little innovative ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, plant the seed so he has it in an hour's time sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you plant the seed, walk away, and when it became his idea, it was all good. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, then, well, yeah, oh, jeepers, creepers, there's a buddy. Uh, but, you know, the change in tyres really came from when, when 101 was new. I think I wrote that in the story. It was when uh, we started ca- um, carting backloads of grain from barley from down in Waipakarau and Hastings back to um, Harvey Farms at Mount Monganui. Yep. And uh, Gary had taken a load of serpentine down to East Coast Fert, which is now Ravens down at Awatoto, and gone and loaded the barley. And he was coming back along the Rangitoke Plains when the left hand front tyre blew out. And uh, so that was okay because we used to carry the three spares, one for the truck and two for the trailers back then. So he changed the left-hand front tyre on the road and then he got going and he came down onto Hickey's Flat, which is just uh, north of Reparoa there on State Highway 5 at the bottom of the Waitapu Hill. Road veers to the left a bit and the right-hand tyre blew out on the same trip. Gary went across the road, right, at, right across the road, and was just hovering over the top of the creek. And so by this time his nerves were on edge and he called up Ian on the RT and he says, uh, you better get me a couple of Michelins for the front of this truck. And uh, I bloody near went into the creek. And the old man says, you're going to be getting a couple of Dunlops and tomorrow take your togs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In case you do go in the creek. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that was a changing point. So he had to get a tyre guy out from Rotorua, change the right-hand front tyre and get it back into the... Into the yard, and uh, Gary brought it back into the yard, and he was so uh, distraught, he he pulled all the gear out of his truck, he told his old man, that's it, I'm finished, I'm out of here, you can get somebody else to drive this truck if you're not going to put Michelin tyres on the front of it, and uh, so Gary went home, and uh, this is about 9 o'clock at night, and uh, at 11 o'clock at night, Ian calls Gary up, and he says, "Uh, well, you've got a couple of Michelins on the front of that truck, Uh, oh, that's all good, he says, and by the way, um, I'll see you Three o'clock at the depot, so you can start. Yeah, and <laughs> do another round. Do another round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Far out. That's so that was a that was a turning point for the tyres. Yeah, because uh, you know it was nothing to get three punctures a day. And if we were tra- oh, yeah. Aiken, if we we're travelling in, in in convoy and going yeah, somewhere, swapping. We would be. Spears. We would be swapping spears, or or we knew that when we pull up, you know, halfway down the journey, to, which we had to to check our tyres. Yeah. Um, one of us would have a flat. Just yeah. it would be a given. Yeah. 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 Always. And we used to fling those uh, steel um, rims off 
down the highway. I don't how we never killed anyone. I don't know, but split room, yeah, you know, split room, yeah, the locking ring. You'd be gone. You'd be yeah. gone. So you'd have a couple of those in the toolbox. Well, uh, no, nah. Ian used to buy those by the gross. Yeah, from Ray Vincent's. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, um, a crate of them would turn up. That's how often we, yeah, yeah, yeah. split them off. Oh. You just hear them go tingle, tingle, tingle down the road, and oh, there's another flat. You know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the tires just couldn't stand the. The heat and the and the, and the speed, yeah, like we would. Just the rag tires, yeah, eh? rag tires couldn't handle the heat. Fell apart. The heat and the speed and the yeah, yeah. and the horsepower and the horsepower, yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly that's exactly right. Interesting, like you always say whenever I talk to you about about Ian and the RMD Ron and like you talk about innovation. It was neat in the like any re- like it, that sort of comes in at all levels in the company because you, the, you talk about you carried rattle guns that plugged into the truck's ear to yeah. speed up the process and. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely about keeping them moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was like, um, well, it's like shipping, isn't it? Like if, if the ship's tied up at the wharf, it's not making any money. The same with the truck; it was parked up somewhere, it's not making any money. So yeah. it was about load up and move, tip off, and get to the next. Yeah, truck. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, there's the great. Is it? Or oh, uh, I might be wrong here. You'll correct me. Is it? Was it Mel Carruthers? The great about when it came in at six months old. Then oh yes. Oh, yeah. So when Mel got ninety seven new, yeah, which was the. the 350A train. The 350A train. 350A train, yeah. yeah. Came in to uh, get its first COF at six months old. I think it had done about 112 or 113,000 Ks at the time. And uh, uh, the guy at the testing station said, gee, this truck's done a lot of, lot of uh, kilometres in a short period of time. Has it been on double shift? And yeah, Mel said, yeah, you're looking at both drivers. <laughs> 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 So uh, yeah, that was uh, that was what was you know that's the way it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And average payload on the A trains, you were up, you were twenty six ton. Twenty six. Yeah. But that was for a thirty nine ton gross, wasn't it? Yes, it was. But some days it was a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And there were a lot of some days. There was a lot of some days. Yeah, most yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. just out of curiosity, back then, because you think now trucks and all the crap they carry, the saddle, you know, the emissions gear and all that stuff, and every everything is a burden that hangs off the chassis, and that's only going to get incredibly worse in the next thirty years. Mm-hmm. Um, a four, just a, a four by two W model, three fifty fifteen speed. Can you remember what what the tear weight of just the tractor would have been? I think that would be about six and a half to seven ton. I, you, yeah, because because yeah. we were permanently attached, you could never weigh one. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our yeah. Um, we had a ball race turntable. We were permanently attached so that the uh, tractor unit, four by two, and the semi were one unit. And that happened recently. a lot, eh? Hey? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tanner Sawmill, yeah. Tim Sawmillings, yeah. Kenworth. That was yeah. that tractor yeah. semi was registered as a single, a single yeah. item. Yeah. yeah, which I don't think you can do now. So uh, yeah, it was uh, just a matter that um, that uh, they w- they were never weighed on their own. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But definitely, like with the gear that's hanging off these chassis today, it's you know, um, trucks are not getting any lighter tear weight wise. That's oh, sure. that's uh, yeah. I mean, all we yeah, a lot of the time with like you know even fifty max now, you're only maintaining the gap really, aren't you know? It's not until you get into fifty fours and fifty eights you're seeing any increase in what they can actually what they can actually uh, carry. Did, um, just thinking, I'm just thinking here, just throw it, like, in your, uh, fellas era at RMT, or maybe, because, like, what, did you encounter logbooks, or had they not arrived, maybe so it, it was, it was over no. before, so when you did the Easy Rider test, were you on a logbook then, 85, no. was it, no? no, no, so when no. did that happen, Ron, 
When do you know? You're, the, a, com- not, you're not, the compliance king, mate. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I just drove my own truck for three days before I remembered I had to have a logbook. So, um, not in my so time of driving m- there anyway. It so must I don't have know. been 88 ish, yeah. must be. Yeah. Because I remember them coming in. I'd started at Tim's Freight Lines and it was logbook free. And so, yeah, that must. So, Ruck was when. I mean, 44 tonne was when. No, Road Users was first 77. Seven. Yep. 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 I, rem- yep, I yeah, remember 77. that. The purple square, purple stickers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then forty-four ton came after. Well, after that it was eighty-four. A. By that time, I had the um, my own A train, and uh, and I got forty-four ton with that because on the back of uh, of the dairy factories going, getting forty-four ton for their milk tankers. Right. So that That's was right. probably that would have been mid eighties. That would yeah. yeah. Well, what yeah? Because yeah. I remember when I started work in eighty. For the panic was on to make all the three axle trailers, five four axle trailers, yeah, yeah. And then logbooks must have been eighty eight, eighty nine, mustn't they? Eighty eight, eighty nine. Shit, the eighties was a bit of a decade, wasn't it? Or well, seventy seven to eighty eight was a was a tough eleven years for compliance, wasn't it? You basically awesome. went from free for oh, apart from deregulation and that. Now there's a whole bunch of stories, isn't it? Well, De- uh, yeah. regulation and well, <laughs> hiding behind depots and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we started deregulation off before, you know, what there was regulations. <laughs> so uh, when, the day that the Kaimai Tunnel opened in 1979 uh, was the first day that uh, we ever encountered the, what we now call the Mod Squad. Um, and uh, Gary Rawson called up and he says, Dad, I'm being followed by, uh, by a cop. And uh, so Ian says, that's all right, just um, keep on coming up because... Back in those days, they'd pull in behind you and we're climbing the Kaimai's and you could clearly tell someone was following you because they wouldn't pass you. And he says, just when you get up to Welcome Bay, just shoot to through, to through to the right and come round to the depot through Welcome Bay. And so Gary did that and gave him the slip. So that was okay. Next day was my turn. I'm coming up the Kaimai's in 103 and um, call up Ian and he said to me, uh, just, just go home because I used to park my truck in 15th Avenue where I lived. Kirk and Graham's yard, and so I pulled into I pulled come along Cameron Road, turned down into Fifteenth Avenue, pulled up, and uh, just got out, got my got my um, lunchbox out, and locked a cab and started walking home. And the cop says to me, "Hey, hey, we want you." And I said, "What for?" He says, "Well, where's this load going?" I said, "I don't know. I'll just park it. I've just been told to park it up here. Someone else is going to pick it up and take it to the mount. I'll take it to where it's going to unload." And he said, "Oh, okay." So I go up to the, and I could see the truck from my home. And uh, I got up and rang the Ian up on the uh, on the landline. I said, "Oh, those guys are gone now." He said, "I just give it a couple of hours and shoot round and unload, will you?" And then do the same tomorrow. So that was the start of it then. Yeah. So when the yeah. when the uh, so the product the regulation thing because this this was a bit I'm a bit young for this myself, but like the regulation thing. If you owned the product, you were all right, weren't you? Like if it was your product on you your could truck, it you could anywhere as long as you didn't tip it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, unless it was in your premises again. You yeah. Might, yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. That's 150 a, yeah. Ks, wasn't it? 150k. 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 Yeah. 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 And nowhere where we went was under. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We, that's right. We could just get to Moronsville. Yeah. But even that was touch and go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, the stupid part about it is we, oh, I suppose Tikawiti was the nearest railhead, was it? Yeah, Tikawiti was the nearest railhead. So and, they, and um, 
some of the surf was taken to the railhead for Whanganui, yeah. for KP, and tipped into the railway wagons at uh, Tikawiri. Yeah. But then uh, Ian had enough of that, and we started carting ourselves down to Whanganui. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Down through Tamaranui and down the Paraparas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Paraparas would have been really been a, a good uh, a good a good jaunt and a four by two, and and it when it was slippery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a papa on the road kept you yeah. to the seat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the the like it's the you and I have talked about this, Ronu, but like. It's it's a, it comes still comes back to how you drive it, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. you still you got there, you guys yeah. got them all there. Like you didn't no. you didn't lose a truck a day because it was a four by two. No, no, not you know? at all. No, no, was, no, they were safe airs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with them. In fact, when you know when you think about what the difference between uh, then and now, you know, I mean, the trucks would be a lot safer than single drives. Oh, and look at Europe. Look at the rest yeah. of the world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the rest of the world seemed to keep them. Keep them, and I've often said to you, and you and I have had this conversation. And we even did a little, tried to do a little exercise at one stage, didn't we, of investigating it about with all of the modern uh, uh, smarts that control a truck now. That like you, you know, intelligent trailers and with EBSS and all EBS and all that sort of stuff, you could an A train should be viable again because you can make it as safe as houses. Absolutely, yeah, yep. and yeah. So it's. Uh, but anyway, uh, mm-hmm. road user charges and vehicle dimensions and mass sort of did come along and change a wee bit, and all of a sudden the A-trains are not much use, and so the arrival of the first six before and four-axle trailer, and um, was, someone came up with the idea of uh, if we make one of these four-axle trailers, we then have three sets of dual wheels of which we can lose some weight on it in the old uh, pit scales, and, and we've got the ghost truck era. Yeah, well, when, uh, when uh, the road users first came out, we were carting quite a lot to Napier then in the in, um, in the single drives, and I mean that really chewed the drive tyres out that, that run. Yeah. But um, Mackie's Transport were the first ones that we saw with four axle stock trailers. Oh yeah, and the big yeah. yellow Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the Mercedes the V10 Mercs and, oh, yeah. and the Max yeah, yeah. Uh, before the Max. And uh, we used to have a beer in the in the yard on a Friday night, and I said, Dean, you know, like this uh, Mackie's Transport got this. Uh, this uh, six-wheeler Merc and a four-axle trailer carting stock down the Hawke's Bay. And I said, if we, if we had a six-wheeler and a, and a four-axle trailer, we'd lose seven tonne over pit scales. And he just put his hand to the air and he says, we'll have one of those. So the very next day, <laughs> on the Monday, <laughs> he called Ian Stevenson at uh, TNG and he said, I want you to build me a four-axle trailer. To which uh, Ian replied, we don't make four-axle trailers, we only make three-axle trailers. Well, Ian says, I want a four-axle trailer. Well, we don't make them. He said, well, I'll find someone that will. The day after, Ian Stevenson rang back and said to Ian, yes, well, we'll build you a four-axle trailer, but there'll be no warranty on it. So that was, he said, when can you start? When can you start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So then he bought the 103 and uh, and TNG put the body in. That was the first four-axle tipping trailer with a bathtub body on it that, uh, that hit the road. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and that so was the hustler, yes? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it was, isn't it, like it's really, it's really, uh, like going back to the truck's name thing, and it might have sounded a bit weird about, like when I brought up the truck name thing before we got going, but um, now that we're sort of into the interview a wee bit, like he, so did he name the trucks as a rule? Yeah, I think he came up with most of the names, yeah. Because the trucks' names, if you line them all up in sequential order, and like tell the company story. You know, mm-hmm. like the power game mm-hmm. as being the truck after the 
the fall and rise, you know, and like it's, you know, like business is all deals and you can be here tomorrow and gone gone today and here tomorrow and all that sort of thing, you know, like it's sort of, and then you have obviously the spoiler because it had the spice of the cool one because it had the air conditioning, the hustler because it was a ghost truck, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like it's it's a, you know what I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's got more, it's got more on than what you think, so, you know, there's more than what meets the eye, you know, and yeah. 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 it, um, and like the easy rider, like, you know, the, yeah. the big, the big that was with torsion bar suspension. Torsion bar suspension, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, he's telling if you look at the trucks' names, he's telling you the story mm. as the trucks yeah. are coming along, eh? Which is, I thought, it's really, really. And there was nothing as a young kid in the seventies, and then growing up, and then seeing it all unfold before your eyes. And there'll be so many in my situation like this that are listening to this. You know, the site RMD was one of those companies when you saw an RMD mm. truck, y- your day was made. Like it was, you guys are out there in windowless loaders and shitty serpentine quarries and working endless hours and that. Up, but for people, but for yeah, people yeah. watching from the outside, like to see a an Alexander Grain truck or an RMD truck, or it was mm. just, you know, it was all, you know, to see the two uh, Kenworth Aerodynes that combined or the or the Murray Yeoman, you know, if you went out on a family outing and you saw one of those brands, that was your holiday was made, you know. And we're talking about the seventies. This is before water blasters were invented. So, so you know, we a Saturday would be uh, six hours to wash a wash a unit with a with a hose and a brush and, and a you had of water. To, you had to do cabs yeah. every night, regardless. Cabs every night, and, yep. and the whole unit once a week. Yep. 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 And uh, and inside and out. So. Yeah. It was, uh, you know. And Saturday was a day where you just wanted to, you know, have a bit of time off. But it was a big day to clean your truck up and have it ready for Monday and have it all lined up, ready to go out again on Monday morning by two or three o'clock in the morning when wherever we started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So normal start time was oh anywhere between three and five a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mainly three. And the day that you got jammed up the <laughs> the day you got jammed up the hill at Teapoka, you got to sleep until five. Was oh it? yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you there again that night? We were, we were carting lime out to the back of Tapuki up to no, an airstrip. With Alexander Zen, I was listening oh, to you you're guys. You're listening to us. <laughs> the same RT oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there was three. There must have been Lee, Mel, and I, and uh, we we just take, taking our um, semis up to this airstrip uh, with lime. Yeah. And of course, uh, we ended up, I think we ended up with three tractors hooked together just to tow the semi into the. Into the bin because we wouldn't give in till we got it in the bin, you know. Like we didn't, we wouldn't tip it off halfway down the track. We got in, so we're coming down, um, coming down number one road about eleven o'clock at night after we f- we finally got the three trucks unloaded, calling it up because it didn't matter what time of the day or night it was. If you just you heard that RT click or you know he was right there waiting for the call, or if the phone rang, it would only ring twice. Yeah, don't matter what time of the day it was, and. Um, yeah, he says, uh, yeah, just have a bit of a sleep in in the, mo- in the morning, boys, and leave at five o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> and we're still not home yet. <laughs> That's it, yeah. So was that, there uh-huh. seemed to be a great place of camaraderie, like that hooking each other up together and to get, oh, e- to, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 get the job done. Yeah. <laughs> We've been in places where we should never have had trucks, I can tell you. No, uh, you know, doing the farm work because we, you know, when he got onto the supplying the ag line, uh, so, so the the model was supply and deliver. Uh, there, there was no one else came into the quarry except for the RMD trucks. And so, if uh, there was a lime inquiry, we would cart it to wherever. Yeah. So we did a lot of lime down into Galatea, uh, a lot up into the into the Waikato, yeah, Taranaki, Paddy Tonga. Yeah. yeah. 
um, yeah, so it was um, quite often we'd do a, um, we'd go empty down to the quarry, have to leave at 3 a.m. in the morning, load up with lime, go down, one to Galatea and one home. Yeah. Even one back to Edgecombe, like, you know, that was a big day's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, going through the Bennydale Road, it was still gravel. Oh, we, yeah. We yeah. would only have yeah. to crawl through there in the low range because if you went any faster, you'd end up with um, more flat tyres and tyres that were pumped up. Sharp. Sharp crushed metal on it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You stopped yeah. at the end of it and um, got your screwdriver out and yeah. dug them out of your tyres to go forward a bit to get the bit that's underneath. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Take the stones out. All adds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, that's really interesting when you talk about all of that. And that truck had still done 113,000 Ks when he took it mm-hmm. in for servicing mm-hmm. and when it was six months old. Mm-hmm. Hey, like, that's, there's hours in there, but there's in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's hours and hours of work in there. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, so by the time Easy Rider Test came along, that that's Highway 30 would have been sealed all the way through to Artemary, wouldn't it? Or, or was it yeah, still a bit? Yeah. It would have been about then. Yeah. It was yeah. 85, wouldn't it? Yeah, 85. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, Ken, your journey is cab over. A train, 4 by 2 A train, then W model, 4 by 2 A train, or did yeah, you go... Yeah, 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 97, after Rob Scott. Yeah, Rob Scott got onto a... Yeah, he, he got one of, Yeah, 107, yeah. 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 So that was the KT motor? That was a KT, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, nine, so KT engine into a single drive truck? No, no, no. no, no, oh, no, no, no. no. So that was truck and trailer? That was, yeah, oh, yeah. truck and four axle. Truck and four axle, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and from there, 97, and then I had 101. Which was? The KT. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, that one, that 475, yeah. So can you remember what month that the um, the uh, John and Trev come to do that test? Was that a, like in springtime or? Oh, I can't, can't remember. remember. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. No. So that was a... Um, Empty to Aria, load of serpentine to Awatodo. Nah, that was down to Hartuma. Oh, it was too. Oh, Waipakarao, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then a load of barley out of Waipak. Yeah. Back to the mountain. Yeah, back to the mountain. Yeah. Fantastic when you're reading those old uh, magazines and you look at those pages, you know, like, I mean, it's got nothing to do with the story and that, but like the chain and rigging advert had the girl in the bikini on the sitting on the pile of chain and, you know... <laughs> And some of the adverts in the back of the book were slightly, yeah, yeah. But one of the bits in the story that, like, really always make me, like, like oh, you think, oh, God, imagine if you printed that now. It would be like when you're talking about how well the Kenworth goes. And um, I think it was John would have written it, I suppose. John Addison would have written that. Um, and um, he um, and he was uh, saying about, um, about you saying it goes... It, it's at its easiest, most comfortable. Here we go. It's at its easiest, most comfortable at 100 kilometres an hour and 1900 rpm. <laughs> and uh, but if you put your foot down, it'll zoom up to 110 at 2200, no trouble at all. <laughs> and I was just, oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's a different. Was a different world. Different world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, then had a long it, way to go in a day. Yeah, yeah, we had a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And so not all of it fast. So that truck would have come shod with tubeless and she was the real deal from yeah, the, from the yeah, get-go? Yeah, yeah. It was yep. still on artilleries, that one. But, yeah, they were tubeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, nothing wrong with artilleries. Like, mm. yeah, isn't it? Like, buddy. 
So for all of us that read it and still read it on a regular basis, every time we're flicking through the magazines, you'll always stop at the Ken Forsyth test and have another quick glance through it. Um, so how long did you end up, because none of us know all the rest of the story, how many? How long did you end up staying on Easy Rider? How old, oh, like? I don't know. I suppose I drove it for three years. Three years? Yeah, yeah, then came and worked with us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. and you three years, so that would have been 500 and half a million on it, just over half? Probably was. Yeah. I, Honestly, can't remember. And yeah. just doing all of that same work, that same area, work, yeah. same thing, yeah. yeah, yeah. And a lot of the time, you know, we, what what people don't realise too is that when we'd start like three in the morning um, out of Tarong, you get to the top of the Kaimais and get down into the Waikato and be fog all the way, yeah, from the bottom yeah. of the, from Tipoi all the way down to the quarry. Yeah. And if we were doing a double to the mount, like back to BAP fertiliser, you'd be fog all the way down to the quarry, fog all the way back till you climb the Kaimais again. Come clear, go tip off, and then go back and drive in the fog again all afternoon. Yeah. Doing the same thing again. Doing the same thing again. Was, uh, eyeballs, yeah, eyeballs of sitting on, the, on a dash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the time we got home at night after in the winter doing that, uh, it was just you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, hours where we would um, the most I ever did in one week was 107 hours. 107 hours. Mm. So it's interesting, eh? Because if your days got 25 hours, so four twenty, so four days, and you've got. You've got three days, and that won't include washing the truck all day Saturday, probably. No. And so that you've got two and a half days to try and get as much uh, living, eating, sleeping, and to keep four solid days work going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'd done our forty hours by Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, putting you on the spot, putting you right on the spot. Can you remember roughly what that would have? Con- what well, can you remember? Okay, no, I won't do that. What can you remember the biggest single day you ever did? Oh, plenty of 18 to 20 hour days, yep. yeah. yeah, which would be a yeah. what like could be a combination of anything, could it? Yeah, well, if you did one to Napier and one home, one, one to East Coast from the mount, go down, take a load to Napier, and then go back and to the quarry empty, and then do it, load up and come to the mount, that would be yeah. an 18 hour day minimum, all, all day long, yeah, isn't it? All day yeah. long, yeah. yeah, yep. And uh, and say so even one to Wanganui and one home. Was, was a real big day as well. That'd yeah. be an 18 hour day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So go down empty load through the paraparas. Yeah, down the paraparas. Yeah. Get down there about 11.30 in the morning, tip off, get back to the quarry about uh, half past two, three, load up and come home. Yeah. yeah. So how long from the quarry to Hewlett's Road loaded, roughly? About, about three, three and a half hours. About three and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Can you remember? Two hours empty, uh, you know, from, yeah, from Taurico would be two hours empty to the quarry. Right from yeah 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 because it's all different out there. Tarico was out on the beyond yeah, the outskirts yeah, yeah. of Tauranga yeah. in those days, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah, yeah. It was almost the first village you passed through after you left. But even the Kaimais were different then, eh? Like you had the halfway flat and different. Yeah, yeah. The only the only yeah. guy that ever used to pass us coming home would be Afquaif in the Concord. Yeah. <laughs> Every afternoon he'd 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 round us up. Yeah 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 yeah. 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 It's like you're sitting down there waiting for us to come through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and, uh, what about your biggest day, Ken? You can, uh, oh, pretty much the same as Ron. Be the, yeah, because you're all doing the same thing, eh? Same thing. So when uh, so you went from uh, a, in the store, you went from a KT 450 to the yeah. 475. Yeah, and like a noticeable difference in the two trucks. Oh, and hell yeah. The, yeah, in the in terms of performance. Performance, yeah. Yeah, that one. We're sure it was it was putting out more than four seven five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just the way it went. And it was reliable. 
Yeah, oh, it's spat the cam while I was out the side of the block one day. <laughs> coming, <laughs> coming down the, the plains in the Taupo. <laughs> you had a wound up on the Rangitai and yeah. she spat the... Yeah, wound yeah. up coming down. I just passed the bus. <laughs> and and uh, just this almighty clatter. Yeah. On the side of the road I was. Yeah, and the bus went past. Yeah. <laughs> Mark McCready come down and towed me home. Okay. Yeah. Remind me of Lee, Lee Goodall was going empty up the, up the Tikawiti Hill. I think he was driving 89, because after 86, I think he went on to 89. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and, the, and the turbo disintegrated going up the Tikawiti Hill. <laughs> and uh, there was a guy coming down the other way on a motorbike, and a piece of the turbo flew out, hit him on the knee. Oh and no! Because yeah. that would have been quite warm. <laughs> and, and so Lee pulls up on the side of the road, can't go any further, and this guy on the motorbike picks up the piece and takes it back to Tilly, and he says, and limping back up because it hit him fair on the knee, <laughs> limping back up the hill, and he says, "I think you've lost a piece of your truck." <laughs> quite a critical piece. Yeah. And Lee said, "Well, here are all the other pieces." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So yeah, we we got a lot a lot of funny stories, really. You know, like things that have happened, and and uh, yeah. we're talking like you know fifty years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's it half a century. It yeah. It's coming up yeah, half, half a century. century. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um um the the well when the a six wheelers and four axles came along. So the, what did you put on those payload wise roughly? Because you guys would. That was when thirty ton arrived yeah, no, consistently. No, no, that's what we we put thirty ton on whether whether they liked it or not. Yeah, yeah. but when it weighed up on the pit scales, it would have come out at twenty four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it weighed in because uh, we would get a thirty dollar fine on the front axle of the truck. Yeah, and uh, and that was it. You know? Yeah, and we we're just a bit, bit over thirty nine plus tolerance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because you read the story and. You know, people talk about you know, well, you know that was then and this was now, blah blah blah. But that, but it, like, and you actually meant? Oh no, it's actually mentioned in the Easy Rider test. Edo uh, talk. You know, this is it was hard in business then because we're talking like now everybody's freaking out over eight percent interest. You're talking it was twenty five to thirty percent interest. Oh, absolutely. You know, to, then, yeah. to live yeah. in those days. You know, how people on house yeah. mortgages now wouldn't have well, they couldn't comprehend an interest rate that's a quarter. That's right. <laughs> it's like, and yet we lived it. We—that's what we grew up in. Like, it was um, the country was in. Yeah, it was. In so the heaviest load I ever took to Napier was thirty-eight ton payload. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And what truck was that? That was a one hundred and three. Yep, with the, with the four axle trailer. So uh, when when they um, did the hammers up in the in, in, at the quarry, the um, soup would get really really fine, almost like flour, you know. Mm. So I pull under the bin and uh, pull the bin open. So by now you're loading out of a bin. Yeah, out of a bin, overhead yeah, bin. Yeah. yeah. And the soup would flow like water because it's like, as soon as really you like flour. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that four-axle trailer was water level, you know, <laughs> by the time I turned it on. Yeah. And so we never we never used to uh, to weigh until we got to Napier in those days because they had a weigh bridge down there. We never used to bother about going into Pew Pew to weigh because yeah. they'd weigh us down there. And I knew by the time I hit the uh, Bennydale Hill, that uh, this was a heavy load. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so when I got down there, so the payload was thirty-eight ton, and the and the four axle trailer weighed thirty-eight ton. <laughs> ah, that's all. That's so. That was one hundred and three. One hundred and three. So KT motor or three hundred and fifty. Three fifty. Yeah. Fifteen speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What truck name was that? Was that the Hustler? 
That was a hustler. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't do that twice because it was a slow trip. Yeah, what gear up the tit- what gear up the Tidio Curas? Can you remember? Oh, Probably not. It had a fifteen speed in it, so it would have been deep reduction somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was just what we got away with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if we had a good, if I'd have gone over the pit scales that day, well, that, that what we lost would never have saved us. She might, she may not have hit enough to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So in the, in terms of because. In the era that you guys drove in, then the the cover technology had that. What was it? Pretty much static the whole way through, or there, there was no of the early windover covers at that stage. No, or? no, no. It was all tubes. We used to, yeah. we used to cut up tubes and and yeah. uh, and just tie knots in them, and and you just pull them down with a with a cut up tube. So it's get up there, roll yeah. them out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Covers. Yep. Yeah. Where was the first uh, elliptical tarp you ever saw? Ron? Oh, just not, out of not till years later, you know. Can you mean, remember whose truck it was on? I mean, um, yeah. That five two five of Lambert's, old Jack. Jack, you did it. He had those rollover yeah. tarps on that. You must, yeah. yeah. It would have been one of the first. Yeah. You must have thought, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Well, that truck that Jack had was actually ordered for Rawson's that five two five, but um, after after his untimely depth. Death, we had to uh, cancel it. Right, and it ended up at Lambert's because yeah. that was about the same time as the Tanner's truck was coming yeah, too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, were, yeah. they were both right. ordered together. Yeah, uh, was, Del- the, was there three King in would, the? No, Delphine King would only one. One was ordered. Ian ordered the five two five, but they would order two. Yeah, yeah. So two came out. That was interesting. He was going back to a K block after mm. after a, a less than salubrious run. And five two five horsepower. He was just chasing the horsepower. He was drunk yeah, with horsepower. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, oh, well, where do we go to from here? So, um, Ford axle trailers, TNG bodies, the switch to TNG came... Yeah, with 101. Um, yeah. Which was the? KT motor. Yeah, what would you yeah. call 101? What was his name? Yeah, I don't know. Clipper. The clipper. Yeah. yeah. The Clipper. Right, yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Gary got that from brand new. Yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah. So, so there was just uh, the, you know, uh, Peter May got one hundred and three brand new. It was main, mainly we were just operating out of the mount, but then we got Rob Scott. So he started with us in Cambridge. He was yep. based in Cambridge. He used to work uh, with Davises. Yeah, and um, you came from Davis to uh, to us, and then we ended up with two trucks based in Cambridge. Yeah, could the could anything be done with the A trains? Like, was there anything you could do with them when forty when the new regs came into vogue? Like, could you could the two axle semis be made into four axle no. trailer? Was like, there was no, there's nothing you could do with them. No, I don't know. Don't know whatever happened to them. Yeah. Um, no, I'd like to know where they ended up. Yeah. Because they were sort of not much used to man or beast. You'd, you'd only be able to make them a three axle trailer, I think. Yeah. yeah. And they didn't have big cube capacity. Like eighty nine, we had to. Um, Build a side tire on it just to help uh, Alexander out. We'd help Alexander's out carting maize in the May season. Yeah, and uh, we didn't have the capacity to cut uh, big loads of grain because serpentine was dense. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were just they were built primarily to cut serpent lime. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it it's, it meant the start of a complete fleet transition. Mm-hmm. Can you remember when the last A train ever? Well, did that was ninety seven. So that was. Um, built, were, that was built by modern transport engineers. Yeah. It was a steel body, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. What did you yeah. go for steel body for? Oh, we got convinced. We <laughs> <laughs> we met Robin Redcliffe over at the field days. 
<laughs> Did you drive it with the steel body? No, no, Mel, no. Mel got that new. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. we went over to the field days and uh, we went to Stuart Marson actually in his Mark III Zephyr and uh, we got over there and we um, it poured with rain as it does sometimes at the field days and we were sitting under in uh, Robin Radcliffe's tent and he, he kind of said, oh, yeah, no, I'll build you guys an A-train. So he got on to Ian and, and when 97 came, he got the contract to build the uh, Arctic and trailer. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, and he was convinced he could do it for the same tear weight as an aluminium body, but no, it was a ton heavier. Was a ton yeah. heavier. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. It was a prick of a thing when I was driving on. Yeah. Well, for what? The syrup would just stick. Yeah. Oh, steel oh I had a different relationship steel. to the steel yeah. versus yeah. the aluminium. Mm. That's interesting, eh? Yeah. Well, no one could probably foresee that to be, f- nah, could they? No. Built. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no. It was, it was, and also the floor was so thin it wore out, didn't it? And the body runners filled up with um, serp and, yeah, and fertiliser yeah. and, and increased the tear weight of it even more. So yeah. was serp yeah. abrasive, corrosive, or no. not? Not just, no. just annoying. No, once it's crushed, it's quite soft. It's just like egg lime, really. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's different characteristics. So sort of like dolomite sort of flavour. Yeah, yeah, similar. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't really do any damage, but just gets everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So with the with the model of work that you had, so loaded one way home, empty the other way, and big days and big trucks, the trip home must have been quite invigorating sometimes to get the neck when they were running empty, like 470 horsepower, 450 horsepower trucks back in those days doing half their trip empty. She must have been all on for loving the money to get back for the next one. Well... <laughs> Just a just yeah, a quiet well, nod from both yeah, men happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was um, it was only one speed, and that was flat out. Yeah, as fast as you could make them go. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was loaded or empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, right. yeah. And were they enjoyable years? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, if I had my time again, I'd I'd definitely go through it again. I mean, that's it was um, a time of our life that we'll uh, you know never get repeated, but. But crikey, I enjoyed every minute of it. And because they're big yeah. trucks, yeah. doing big work, and like they were, you know, they were living the dream trucks, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were young and bloody, yeah. young, dumb, and full of cum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the way that just, and if you mucked around anywhere, it, you were just longer getting home. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it didn't reduce just, the work. You had to keep your foot up at all day. Because the because you owned the quarry and you owned the loader, you, there was you weren't never going to miss the load time. Oh no! Like no. you just if you're going to muck around, you'll just be longer. Yeah, yeah. you never get home. Yeah, yeah. But as the, as the, as the mod squad got more serious, like we were followed every afternoon. Yeah. There was a stage when we when we had the nine trucks that there were nine mod squads behind us on the afternoon trip home. <laughs> what when you were so, all coming so home? We, we started off by hiding at at uh, <laughs> Midlands Depot and Tyrrell, but it was more. Too was open. too open, <laughs> yeah, too. and you could see that you, we weren't tipping off and reloading because that's what we were supposed to be doing. So um, Ian was quite friendly with old uh, uh, old John Dalton, yeah. and we ended up going down and hiding in Dalton Sandpit at Matamata. Well, that's a good place because yeah. that's yeah. very you can't see anything. But they got they got a bit more innovative than we did. They would dress up as uh, linesmen and they'd be uh, over the over the looking over the at the bottom of uh, Dalton's pit. Up on power poles, looking over with binoculars. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. serious. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, and uh, they could see we were just sitting there having a cup of tea with old JD, and um, 
and then uh, then in the later stages they got a helicopter. You know, and uh, oh, that's getting serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that made it unenjoy- un- unenjoyable because every afternoon was just where are these guys? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we were yeah, driving, yeah, looking yeah, in yeah. the mirrors. And, yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, in the end, I believe that they won. You know, they got it the old fellow's conscience, but um, but we, you know, we sort of blazed the trail to where we are now, you know. Like, I mean, we helped open up the roads to where they are now because we didn't, we didn't care about 150k against the rail. We just did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter where, where, the, where we were to go to. You know? Yeah. And it's neat that in the story, Ron, in the 2020 story, you say about, um, you know, you sum it up so well, saying what a stupid time in history when an archaic, uh, uh, half-paralysed government is trying to stop advancement and progress and entrepreneurship by regulating, comp- by trying to regulate instead of them getting better, regulate competition out of the out of the game. You know. Yeah, and yeah. And, and one of the, one of Ian's sayings to me was, uh, "I'd rather spend a hundred thousand dollars on a bulk store than buy a ticket on the rail." Yeah, you know. So <laughs> he was just so yeah. so yeah. focused that he was going to beat these rail guys. You know. That, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And he did. So it must have been an incredible. That must have been a great morning of deregulation when the mm. day came oh, when they said, yeah. right, 150's gone. gone. Yep. Big relief. Yep. Yeah, sticker and gear and go hard. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And there was a little window, wasn't there, from memory, there was a little window between deregulation and logbooks, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, there was. There was a really yeah. window of... Like <laughs> between months. deregulation and permits, so you could apply for a permit to cut against the rail, you know, Yeah. and... Once you got a permit, that, that was even more unsafe because, you know, by the stage I was in business on my own account, so we get a permit and drive, ride around the clock, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and, and get the 24 hours out of it, yeah. you know. So, um, but then once it passed into deregulation, it just made it so much easier. Now, that's interesting you say that. That's really interesting you say that because that's when I arrived. I arrived at permit era because mm-hmm. I remember getting sent into the post office to get yeah. permits. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I arrived in that hinterland between a solid 150k and being able to get a permit and then complete deregulation. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that must have been around 86, 87, somewhere in that. In that Ooh, yep, might have yeah. been before that because I started March 84. Okay, we'll be 84. Yeah, then, so yeah. it must have been, yeah. I might have been right at the start of it, I think, because I remember there was still. Court cases pending for our guys that hadn't been caught exceeding the 150 Ks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I always remember one of the great stories was in, in our in the Thames Rattler was the guy guy that got stopped got get, like red handed like had hot freight on blah 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 and it went right through to almost the day before the court case and the good the gung ho lawyer and and that was was quizzing the driver and found out that the cop had never actually. What did the cop say when he when you showed him the dockets? So he never actually he asked me what I had on. I told him, but he never saw the dockets. Mm-hmm. He never saw the paperwork. Yeah, and so that was case closed. <laughs> but we were, we were so defiant, you know that the um, this is what I found out by talking to the those earlier mod squad guys afterwards after all this was over. They would use us for training. Oh okay. yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So, so they would train on us, and then and then they would go out to other lesser carriers that tried to. To do the same yeah. as what we were doing, and the drivers would just melt. Yeah, and get yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. We, we would just we would. I mean, crikey, that we'd never tell them we were going. We, yeah. <laughs> you'd have to write a way bill to where you were going, yeah. or you know, it was all. 
met a book full of them already yeah. made out. You know, yeah. when, when we're cut, <laughs> cutting that grain out of uh, Waipakarao and, and Hastings back to oh, the mountain, yeah. we used to consign it to Tapper's Piggeries at Reparar. Yeah. 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 Well, we don't even know where it is. <laughs> so when we, when we got to, to Reparar, we'd stop and write another one out from there to, to uh, Mount Maunganui. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and what a colossal waste of time! Yeah, hey, absolutely. Yeah, just wasting, wasting money everybody's money, yeah. time, yeah. taxpayers' yeah. money, men yeah. at power poles with yeah. bloody binoculars yeah. and helicopters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With their overalls on, as though they're looking lo- looking like uh, guys that were working for the power company. Yeah. Yep. Oh, very good. So the last truck you ever had at RMD? Oh, it was one hundred three. Was one hundred three. Yep. Yeah. And Ken after one hundred three, um, Ian took me into the office and. So Ian kind of mentored me to where I am today, you know, with what I do right now. Uh, he took yeah. me off the, off the truck and uh, put me in the office and my role became transport manager and he taught me how to price lime and price transport and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So that's what happened there until um, his untimely death and then after that, um, Gary got Gary was not working for his father at that stage. He had a courier in, in Tauranga here. And um, so Gary uh, was brought back into the business by his mum and um, and there wasn't the room for the two of us to manage a nine-truck business. Mm. It was a one-man uh, show and that's mm. when I left and started my own business. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. And how long did Gary um, stay? Well, Gary stayed on and, and eventually bought the business and yep. until he passed away some 22 years ago. And now his uh, son and Ian's grandson, Mike, runs it, so... Yeah. yeah, but not the trucks, only the quarry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is now just a limeworks. Yeah, and it's not on the original site. Mike's got the original site as a as a custom blending operation. Right. Uh, the serp is all finished and it's all mined out. Oh so yeah, the, so, so the serp vein's gone. So the big the big hole is now a lake. Right. Okay. And so Mike bought um, what used to be Wairiri lime um, that that Progress used to own years ago, and uh, redeveloped all of that. Right. And so um, Mike runs the. Uh, Riverside Lime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, trucks fa- uh, were taken by the Sherson? Sherson family. Yep, yes. Sherson family. Yeah. And huge mm-hmm. tip of the hat for them because they have honoured that brand, that livery and that brand, haven't they? Like yeah. they understand the relevance of that brand and the history of New Zealand mm-hmm. bulk cartage yeah. to the point now where in the February magazine there's a wee article. Brand new that, Kenworth. Yeah, the brand new yeah, Kenworth yeah. In, the, in the retro livery. Yes. Like yeah. they're, they're doing a lot of retro livery on the trucks and so yeah. I was on the Kaimides the other day um, waiting for a truck to come down and, and it went past and I I was just like, what an amazing tip of the hat to what a great era of trucking when it rolled on past and I wonder what Gary would have thought of five axle trailers in 58 tonne. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Well, we would have been interesting to four axle, sorry. It would have been interesting to see what what. Uh, no, get we much on a four axle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a hundred ton order on three loads, so um, yeah. that's what used to happen. But uh, no eight stickers either in those days. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, look, like a hundred ton load to wherever it was going to, three, and that was three load, three trucks, three, three unit loads, yeah. three unit loads. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but anyway, those days are gone. Yeah, 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 and they were loaded with a. Did that? Did a Weybridge ever turn up at the mine before it finished? Yes, like, oh yeah, uh, not 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 in my time it didn't. But no, uh, there is Weybridge at both quarries now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in your both your time, there was no. no you still no, weighed at progress yeah. and weighed at progress. Yeah. So it was still icrometer. Yeah. Did you get yeah. good? Could you get? Could you get? Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you knew what it had on. Had a rough idea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You could. You you'd be within a half a ton if you're really trying to get it. Just, just right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. knew 
So back in those days, we would get we could get weighed up at Tikawiti, or we could get weighed up at Tikawa, yeah, or, or even at QQ, you know, yep. coming north, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, you get weighed up going into uh, at the three A intersection in, in uh, New Plymouth, or you could get weighed up at uh, State Highway Five just at the bottom of the Napier Tower. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, when they saw us, saw us coming, they uh, they knew that it's time to pull us in. Yeah. So very rarely did an RMD truck get a wave on. <laughs> but we <laughs> remember Ken A, this uh, Mary uh, Coppin and um, Tiamudo and Black Benny. Yeah. He um, he would pull us up and he was too lazy to get the scales out. So he would, uh, he'd have the old 50 cent piece. He says, I'm going to flick a coin. Um, if it, what do you want, heads or tails? So he oh, heads. Yeah. So he'd flick it. Didn't matter whether it was heads or tails, you still won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, where you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. and then one time he pulled me up on one hundred and three, and I knew I was I, I knew I had a thirty three ton payload, and he pulls me up into a tea car there, and uh, he says, "I'm just going to wander down the back of your truck and have a look around." He said, "If your springs look like your, your trailer's overloaded, I'm going to weigh you, but if they look all right, I'll just wave you on." So he walks down, he's looking at the springs, and he says, "Right, mate, where you go?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew that they were almost inside out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the, you know, and you're sitting there shivering in your boots, knowing, oh, geez, I'm going to get a big ticket here. But no, no, where you go? And uh, so, if you had the chance, Ken, to do it all again, would you go back and give her another lash? Yeah, probably would. If I was, yeah, a lot younger. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do it now. No, no, that's exactly right. No, no, but great era of camaraderie and oh, and well, you know, Maxie's diner and. Meeting guys on the road and... You know, you see someone on the side of the road changing a tyre, you stop and give them a hand. Yeah. Nowadays they don't, hey? Well, they don't even carry spears now. Yeah. No. They, first thing they grab's the phone. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. used to give each other a hand. And yeah. Yeah. Well, that has been uh, a most enjoyable hour and a quarter, um, and I think that'll go down very well. With uh, the podcast listeners, um, we'll never see those days again. We'll never of, no. of that that level of maverick frontiersmanship on the on the roads. But um, so just before you go, so when I started at Rawsons, that was nineteen seventy six. Okay? Yep. So now I've got my own business and my own truck and trailer. Yep. And I just spent a fortnight driving it while my driver's been away. Uh, two weeks ago, I got a call from Peter Whitaker at Solis to see if I could take a load of dolomite up to. Uh, Ravens down in New Plymouth. Yep. And I just said to him, pick me, because I was looking for a backload home. Yep. And so back in those days, it was New Zealand Farmers Fertiliser. Yep. Since 1976. And magnesium fertiliser ingredient taken in. Yep. Took a load of dolomite in there, 2024. That's 48 years apart. Far out. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and so you're still doing now a lot of, you know. You don't look a day older. No, no. No. <laughs> 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 Still getting over the jet lag. Still getting over the jet lag. So how old are you, Ron? Eh? How old are you? Oh, next birthday, next month, I'll be 73. Oh, far, you're just getting in the game, yeah, really. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you still enjoy it? Do you still love yeah, it? you're still doing an apprenticeship. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, trucking. You stop learning, eh? <laughs> trucking, it never ends, does it? Yeah. yeah. Did, you, did, you, did you enjoy the two weeks on the truck? Yeah, love it. Yeah. 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 Love it. The only yeah. thing is the cell phone keeps ringing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, your that, own fault. It is. Yeah. 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 You, you caused that. Well, yeah, and if it doesn't ring, we don't get work. So, exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. bring it on, yeah. So I went down there. I went down to Cardiff, our Manawatu store, and 
and uh, I had no backload, but I had um, Vert to cart from Mount View up into Matamau for a dairy farmer client there, and I thought, someone's going to ring and uh, get me a backload, so Peter Whitaker rang, so I took that load of dolomite up to uh, New Plymouth, then I got a load of rock dust out of Jones Quarry in New Plymouth, took it up to our store at Te Aumudu, and then on the way up there, I get a call from Jerry, one of our consultants, and he said, I've got a load of lime for you to do up to Waihe, and I said, it'll be there this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So I got, I went down, did my runs, did, got got a load out of uh, Ravens Down Fielding, took it back to Mount View, then I went to Webster's and got a load of RPR and took it back to Mount View after the two loads to Matamau, and a load of dolomite, a load of rock dust, and a load of lime. That was my four-day round trip. Everything's changed and nothing's changed. Yeah. 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 Everything's changed. What it's about where are you nowadays, Ken? Me, I'm um, at Swaps. Yep. Yeah, been here for must be bloody near thirty years now. Must yeah, be, hey? long yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, and you're in. You're off the trucks. You're running the. You oh, work I on the look after the shipping side of things. Look after the shipping yeah. side of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Stock food and yeah, yeah. And the bulk of drivers that come in and talk to you don't realise that. That you're one of the greatest covers in the history of New Zealand Trucking Magazine. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Many would. Yeah, uh, yeah. the Easy Rider article. Just, um, that was a brilliant truck. I still... So was that your last truck at RMD or yeah. did you... It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said it You said it come to an untimely end. Yeah, after I'd left there, it, um, uh, I don't know who the driver was, but he parked at a Jakawa Crossroads there. Yeah. And it... Can't have had the park brake on. He, it rolled down and into the service station and caught fire. Oh shit! Okay, right. Oh hell! Okay. Whole thing burnt to the ground. Burnt to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Something I meant to pick up on before when you were talking about. Um, so the torsion bar suspension. Yeah. Yeah. A mark out of ten after you'd got out of it after half a million k's. What would you give it? Oh. Yeah, you got a good ride with it, eh? Yeah. Um, it rolled a bit in corners. You were saying in the. Yeah, but they all did that a bit. Yeah. <laughs> That had something to do with payload, maybe. How much of a hurry you're in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How fast you're taking the corner? But it was yeah. it was reasonably uh, trouble free. Well, I was on it. I think they had a lot of trouble after I left there. They had to rebush everything and a lot of moving parts. In there. Yeah, a lot of moving yeah. parts in there. Yeah, hell of a lot of moving parts here. Yeah. They had to rebuild the whole thing. I remember the day when eighty sixes torsion bar suspension collapsed in Tiguri and just sort of oh, yeah. gave in. Yeah, because yeah. they're quite a they're a really interesting thing, aren't they? Mm. Torsion bar suspension and how yeah. they do what they do, yeah. eh? Yeah. But it was yeah. pretty good traction wise, and that, you know, getting into air strips. Yeah, is that right? Something. Yeah, good traction yeah. truck. Yeah. It was yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, mm. you've earned your keep tonight. You can go home and have a beer and a, and a good meal. And um, I thank you both for, for the time you've uh, given, the, given the listeners this afternoon. Um, it's been I think, a pleasure. I think it's a fantastic podcast to do on this month the the month that South Pack are celebrating Kenworth's 100 years uh, doing the New Zealand celebrations and, and um, yeah I was looking for a big Kenworth story and you've delivered a big story fantastically thanks very much no problem yeah, thank you Dave no worries yeah Radio 24-7 and the Keep On Moving podcast the time is inching ever closer to us a conference uh, and a get-together and a networking session and an educational uh, behemoth that I think is going to potentially be the most interesting, innovative and informative 
gathering of the industry at a conference we've ever seen. And that's a big call, but it's very different. It's not the same. It's something new. It's the Teletrack Navman Technical Maintenance and Safety Conference brought to you by the New Zealand Trucking Association and National Road Carriers. It's in Christchurch, uh, early March. It's, uh, what is it, Carol? It's the 13th, 14th? 13th, 14th of March. That's exactly right, at the beautiful, beautiful uh, conference centre in Christchurch. And on the line, as you've just guessed, is uh, executive at uh, New Zealand Trucking Association, our dear friend Carol McGeady, and she is basically just like a one-armed paper hanger at the moment as this thing looms closer. Is that is that Would that be a fair assessment of the situation? Uh, it would be. I would say swamped is a very good word because we are sold out of exhibitor space six weeks out from the event, so it shows you how um, what this event's going to be like. It'll be making the conference centre bulge with yep. everybody in it. Because, like, there's a buzz about this thing, isn't there? Like, like I talk to people and I say, I really think you need to be at this. Like, I think this is going to be something a little bit different. And But there is, it's developed an atmosphere, hasn't it? It has. And um, I think it's because we really listen to uh, the industry and, and what they actually want. So they don't want to be sitting in a conference listening to a boring pre- presentation. They actually want to go to conference and learn something and and um, meet with their, you know, fellow operators and and businesses. And, of course, the important thing of business to business. So um, I think we kind of hit all those things right on the head with that. We've been really busy working on the program. So between National Road Carriers and ourselves, there's been a lot of work, a lot more work than what people would ever realise, go into what the subjects are going to be and who is allowed to present. And we've been very, very picky with that. Um, so we want to cover off on things that haven't been at a conference in New Zealand before and get the conversations going. Uh, so just to give you a wee flavour of it, um, one of the um, subjects is navigating a slowing economy and understanding your business costs. That's a core part of our businesses that we do as an association and that's never been, you know, showcased before on a main stage. Um, fueling the future, there's a lot of information around about that, but we're going to bring it all to the front stage and have a good discussion and, and good questions time so that people can ask questions. Um, the improving fleet productivity, shifting more with less. We want to put the spotlight on the uh, NZTA and say how can we do this with what is available now and what do we need to do in the future to be more profitable. So there's a lot. There's developing your people. There's a really interesting new section that we're trying, which is an operator's view across the industry sectors. So across logging, family-owned businesses, livestock, port, you know, companies that um, operate um, to the ports. And we're going to bring that together to the to the front stage. And I think right back at the start, I think one of the things that lit this thing up from the start, like a skyrocket into the night, was the when I very first talked to you about it and you said, at this conference, our singular goal is whatever the subjects are, we want to give people a practical, usable piece of information that they can take home and feel that they've got something that they can then apply to their business and it 
Correct. Seems to be yep. that that is still the big sign at the front of the that goal. That's front of the number project. one. Yep. 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 They have to Absolutely. be able to have something they can use. Yeah. And number two, so part of what we're doing with that is we're putting up some scholarships to sponsor young technicians, um, dispatch, health and safety people, all these people that are working behind the scenes that will really benefit from the themes of the conference and the learning that they'll get by attending. Right. So companies can just apply to, to bring somebody and um, that they will really make a difference for this conference. Yeah, interesting. Fant- yeah, fascinating. And, of course, the school, the school component? Yeah, that's that's going a bit crazy now, um, because with the having all the events that are happening at during the conference, which is going to be a very busy two days in Christchurch, uh, the truck of the year uh, that's going to be announced there, all the technology that's really attracting the school's interest. And from one school alone, we have sixty students registered to come to the expo. From one school alone. Yes. That's amazing. That's and, and how good is it that they are getting on board and you know getting on board and I suppose can we say that there's you know there maybe this is a little bit of a return on community investment with the safety truck like you're knowing for sure yeah yeah yep. for sure and also our past um, expos that we've held at the trucking industry show yeah yeah uh, so we get it we've got a really good track record and. What happens when they arrive is the industry steps up and engages with them, and that's appreciated. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. That, and there's a great, there's a great thing in there, isn't there? Like a message to the to the people that are listening that that will be going if a kid comes up and shows an interest. For God's sake, show even more interest back. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well. I'm pretty uh, fired up about this conference. I can hardly wait to get there and be a part of it and listen to it and chat and talk and and, and do my bit. Um, I'm sure you guys are just absolutely over the moon with how it's come together. Um, how about, are, what about yeah. registrations for, for CAT? Yeah, for- the, if you haven't got a ticket now, uh, you'd better get on and get one because we're pushing close to sell out of delegates. So Fine. you need to do that now. And I think I could probably have a good indication we'll be sold out well before the event. Fantastic. So, Fantastic. And if yeah. you are thinking, hell, I better get along to this and have a listen, I go where? Eventbrite. Eventbrite. And, yeah, and you can just do it all online, and uh, it's very affordable. It's only $299 for the two days full conference programs, and if you can't come for two days, you can buy a day ticket yep. and come. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, I mean that's another fantastic thing. It's got to be one of the cheapest conferences I've ever encountered in my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the beauty of the um, two associations working together that we can do it at cost for the delegates. So the the point is to get the delegates along um, and make it affordable, but also equip them with all this new information, and it would be a really worthwhile event. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic event. I think it's going to be the first of uh, a new trend, a new way of delivering information to to people. And uh, like I say, really looking forward to it. Carol McGeady, thank you so much for taking uh, five seconds out of five seconds that you never had to give me in the first place. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up. I know. Thanks, Dave. Okay, right. While I've got you there, I'm just going to redo the scholarship thing.
because yep. you went off there for a second. So I'll just lead okay. in by okay. saying, talk to me about scholarships at the conference, yep. and then you can go yep. into that as well, okay? Okay. Okay, so one really innovative, interesting thing is uh, a scholarship-type uh, program you've got there. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so that um, came about because we want to attract the younger people to the conference because we feel like they'll get a lot of benefit and also mixing them with some, you know, experienced operators and businesses, um, it will be really good for their personal growth. So we've put up 25 uh, scholarships that anybody on a full delegates pass can apply for a scholarship and bring along their bright spark that works at their company, whether it's a technician or a um, dispatch or HR or HS person, somebody who works really hard as a good reward, they could bring them along and I'm sure they'll go back to their companies with a caseload of new information that will be helpful. Yeah, and, and also, hey, it might be someone who's new to the industry who's a little bit trepidatious about me- making phone calls or reaching out to other people and they're going to go to this environment and everyone they need to ever know in their career is going to be standing in front of them. That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, great opportunity. So if I'm an employer of someone who I think is deserving of a attendance scholarship, what, what's the what's the pathway there? Who do I, how do I apply? Yeah, you just, you just email us and um, and uh, we contact you straight away to say whether you've been successful. Right. And yep. um, it's a pretty easy process, really. Yep. So that's New Zealand Trucking Association and NRC as well? Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yep. Awesome. There you go. So if you've got a young, bright spark that's showing an interest in the uh, industry... Um, get on the website and uh, treat them to a, what will be a fantastic couple of days of eye-opening uh, information and meeting great people. Right. This is the Keep On Moving podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. It is episode uh, 28. Uh, of course, we've just been listening to, to Carol McCready uh, read the Teletrack uh, Navman conference. And part of that, Dave, is a um, big announcement. Can you tell us about the truck of the year? I mean, you're, you're deeply involved with this. Look, I am deeply involved with it, with it Murray, and, and it would depend on what you want to know about the truck of the year. There are some things that I just absolutely, uh, well, I can't actually tell you because we don't we don't know yet. As well, we will know by the time this gets to air, I would say. At the moment that I'm talking to you, we uh, haven't made our final decision, but I think by the time you get this up, oh, maybe not, uh, we, we will probably just, we will have just figured out through... Uh, Table fist bashing and lobbying and putting your your best your best argument forward. Which which of the three contenders will take away the gong? So, how many uh, judges are there, Dave? Uh, so, how it works is so Tim Giles and I. He's the editor of Power Talk Magazine in uh, Australia. So, we are the regional associate members of iToy. Charlene Clark is the she is the uh, re. Uh, South African associate member uh, of ITOI and incredibly uh, well known to to us in our region, so she is there as a as a critiquer, uh, as the first line of critiquing of what Tim and I have argued about and talked about and thrashed out ourselves, and and the, and she critiques the final list that we come up with, and she casts. She is a she is an associate member for ITOI, but she is a jury member for the uh, ITOI Innovation Award in Europe. So she is looking at it from casting an eye of the parent organisation over us as well as as well as having a, a, an involvement in the in the final decision. And then we bring in two independents from outside 
um, our core industry who are involved in in the industry in a non-OEM aligned position. So in other words, they don't have a barrow to push. And uh, we have one from each country. We have Randolph Kovich, owner and editor of Deals on Wheels magazine uh, in New Zealand. And we also have a chap called Bob Woodward uh, in Australia. And he is... He has held a number of engineering and technical advisory roles uh, in Australia over the years, including the technical advisor to the Australian Trucking Association. So, And they then look at the whole thing again from start to finish and they read the material we've got and then they fire difficult and probing questions at us. Okay, and then you come up with a truck at the end of one. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So who's won it, Dave? (laughs) You'll have to... You'll have to dig deeper into watching uh, episodes of 2020 <laughs> and uh, 60 Minutes to actually find out how real investigative journalism happens, Murray. Okay. Uh, who yeah. won it, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> who won it, Dave? Uh, right. Uh, my interview's coming up in just a moment with Mike Isle. Mike Isle is a, a full-time writer. Uh, Mike specialises on books uh, about the New Zealand heavy transport sector. He is the writer of the original illustrated history of New Zealand truck trailer industry, Riding uh, the Rainbow. Uh, and now it sequels out, well and truly, it's called In the Blood. Uh, he's also ghostwritten several autobiographies as a published and performed playwright and been in advertising agencies. I think you've pretty much done it all, Mike, haven't you? Yeah, well, I guess so. It's been an interesting uh, career, but uh, I think the highlight of it, and thank you for having me, Murray, I much appreciate you giving me the time. But I think a highlight is, of that has been working uh, with the transport sector, um, which I first got introduced to, I think, um, in the early 90s. And uh, uh, that's been quite a ride, if you forgive the play on words. Ride in the rainbow, mate. So what was the connection between you and the transport industry? I had a mutual friend um, that knew a legend of the industry called Kate Bucknell. And Kate Bucknell had her own transport company there. And I was freelance writing, and Kate brought me on board to write her uh, company newsletter. So that was my introduction. And then, of course, Kate was... uh, has been long-serving secretary of the New Zealand Truck Trailer Manufacturers Federation. So when we decided or they decided that they wanted to write the history or record the history of that federation, I came on board in that capacity and she commissioned me to write uh, that early book, uh, Ride in the Rainbow. Now, New Zealand uh, doesn't actually manufacture uh, trucks, but it has quite a history of manufacturing trailers. Where has that industry come from, Mike? When we did Rainbow, we wanted to record that history because there were people still with us that actually knew some of the very early pioneers. What astounds a lot of people is that in terms of our research, um, the first commercially built truck trailer unit was as recent as 1915 in Wellington and there's some conjecture about who was the first there's a couple of uh, trailer builders that are vying for that but um, yeah the first trailer was built in 1915 and there were still people around when we wrote wrote Rainbow rather that uh, knew some of those early pioneers but the real impetus came 
uh, after the came with and after the Second World War, when those bigger, highly powered Yank trucks came on, and of course that that produced bigger, better, heavier uh, trailers. So where it comes from, well, it comes from Wellington, literally in 1915, but it really comes from the Second World War when the whole industry was given a lift. Um, by the by, the importation of American vehicles, trucks. So, why is it we don't import our trailers, Mike? Because we are very, very good at what we do. Um, I wouldn't say. I mean, we have a bit of an export trade on things like side lifters, etc. With our good friends down at Patchell Industries, but generally speaking, we produce all we need. We produce to, to suit local regular the regulatory market, uh, and uh, there's no real need to import them. Um, and also, you have to feel, in my feel, that the transport industry itself, the owner-operators, the big transport companies, being New Zealanders, they like to fiddle with things. Um, they spec their own trailers. They like to have control on their trailers. They like to have that personal relationship with their trailer builders. That's why I, I would never think, I wouldn't think at this point or any time soon you're going to get an overseas trailer builder getting any traction in this market at all. Am I right in thinking there are probably about 50 manufacturers in this country? Yes, you'd be right in thinking that. Um, there's been some amalgamations, there's been some startups, well, relatively few startups of late, but uh, the whole point about uh, In the Blood, uh, in the t- title of that book, uh, you know, it says it all actually. It's In the Blood. You've got generations of trailer builders in this country. Yeah, um, you've got three or four generations among the Demets, the Patchels, etc. Uh, well, Patchels got a couple of generations there. But it's in the blood and it's in the family. And uh, while there are fewer trailer builders now than maybe in the heydays of the 80s and 90s, they're more professional, they're more specialist, but the, the family thing still runs true. It's still a generational thing. Lots of characters. Anyone in particular that stand out? I know it must be hard picking a favourite, Mike. Yeah, um, I, know, I can name a few characters that are still alive, but I do it at my peril um, if I mention them. That's, um, I think, uh, best that could be said about some of those is what happens in Auckland stays in Auckland, and, uh, and the people I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. But I remember, you know, the Demets, the Manu, Tuanui's, those early guys from the 60s and 70s, um, old school guys, I would characterise them as. And if, if I was to have a favourite, I, I, I must admit, I, I, I never met him. Uh, he'd long passed when I got into the industry, but there's a guy, Ray Demet, um, who had a great outfit, and the Demet name is still in trailer builders, of course, uh, and out of fielding. And uh, he used to, uh, any big truck, tra- or truck operator or owner operator that came down, I was always going to um, shout a drinks at um, Ray's pub down in fielding. And he had a party trick, which um, I got from uh, um, confirmation of the party trick from uh, another legend in the industry, uh, Inky Tullock down there in Matara, who had seen it done. 
Ray who used to go there who was huge, huge man, big man, strong man. He used to stand next to the door jam um, and he'd swing it, he'd throw his arms over his shoulders and grab the top of the door and just by sheer strength, he pulled his entire body up and over and sat on the top of the um, door. That's from standing on the floor. Now, if your listeners can envisage that in the way I've described it, that's a massive amount of strength to lift your whole body weight up and over so you're sitting astride a door from from floor level. So he, he was a legend in the industry, and there are others um, that I mentioned have sadly passed on. But their stories, uh, you, you featured the, I've featured them in Right in the Rainbow. In the Blood brings uh, introduces a new generation of, um, of trailer builder, many of whom are sons or grandsons of those early pioneers. They're much more professional, I have to say, it these days. I mean, Marnie Turnui's of the world down there in Rotorua, he'd draw a plan and on chalk on the workshop floor and say, well, go and build the bastard. And no CAD, nothing like that. Today's modern builder is, of course, much more professional, and thank goodness for that. What is it that keeps um, the families interested? Because sometimes a son is not necessarily going to follow dad's path, but that's obviously not true in the trailer building industry. It's pride. It begins and ends with pride. Um, And they just want to be part of it. Uh, they live and breathe trucks. Um, they have, obviously, from an early age, being brought up in the business. But many of them, and you can see that with the Patchels of the World and with the Demets, uh, etc., they want to carry on the family name, literally and figuratively. That is the family name. That's the name their father or grandfather gave to the company, and they want to continue that name. But there is a genuine pride among those generation of um, of builders in carrying on the tr- tradition of their fathers, etc. And you know, you might have um, some that are even not even in the company firm that are, that are you know, for whatever reason, have, have gone into competition with their parents. But there's still a pride in building great trailers. Uh, now, in the blood, of course, it was written, written uh, primarily for the industry, uh, Mike. But uh, there's lots of truckies now thinking, I would like to get a copy. How does one get a copy of in the blood? Well, the New Zealand Truck Trailer Manufacturers Federation is selling copies online, and you would need to go to their Google their website, um, and it's. Uh, they have a form that you can fill in online and you can purchase it directly from the Federation if you wish. New Zealand Trucking Magazine will also, as I understand it, be promoting and have an opportunity for buyers to work through New Zealand Trucking uh, to, to buy the to buy the. Uh, the book. Um, so it's all online at this point. Um, it's an illustrated history. Um, we find that even if you're not a truckie, it's got some interest there because it's not actually about the trailers, um, Murray. It's about the people that build the trailers. And people are always a good story, as you know. Always interesting. I was going to um, ask you a little bit about your time in politics, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think we've got enough tape here, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, well, the politics game is probably the other high point. I, was, um, I started with Norm Kirk and finished with 
uh, in terms of um, central politics, finished with David Longy. So that, that was quite a road, mate. That was quite a road. Look, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you today. Once again, um, thank you for drawing yourself away from that beautiful Bay of Islands uh, uh, scenery <laughs> to have a chat with us. <laughs> It's been a pleasure for me, Murray, and uh, again, I think the Federation will thank you, and I certainly thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about the book. Trucking Radio 24-7 and the Keep On Moving podcast. We've got a very interesting uh, subject to talk to now, uh, likely a phenomenon that will become an ever-increasing reality in the global supply chain of every single good you can imagine. Uh, we're not having a seance, but we are going to start talking about end of life. And with increasing regularity, uh, regularity securing a product uh, in, in terms of what happens to it after the final use, after the final user has, has used the product and it's ready to go on to wear. And we're not a great society when it comes to a track record of what happens to our products that we buy after they've done their dash. What to do with waste tyres has been one of the really big villains in that uh, phenomenon and we all know about waste tyres and transport companies and industry and that, that problem is coming to an end as of the 1st of March this year, believe it or not. If you haven't heard of TyreWise, you are going to hear about it very, very soon because it's going to become a very integral part of your life. With us is Adele Rose, Chief Executive of 3R Group, the company uh, tasked with managing the implementation of this government-led, regulated, designed program to reduce the harm that end-of-life tyres cause, and um, 3R Group will also administer tyre-wise post the implementation phase, and uh, essentially what we're talking about here is a levy that you pay at the time you purchase the tyre that will cover the cost of dealing with it at end of life. How did I go, Adele? In a nutshell, was I any? Was I even close? Was I even close in all yeah, that? Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, very good. And uh, <laughs> this is actually a, a something the industry has been calling for. Uh, and if you've yeah. read our business update in the February issue of New Zealand Trucking Magazine, um, the industry has actually been calling for something along these lines for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. So my involvement in it has been for uh, since 2012. But prior to that, um, the the sort of vehicle and trucking sector have been very keen to progress a solution um, that has a fair and even playing field. So the key thing about regulated stewardship is obviously in the word that if you import tyres and sell tyres in New Zealand, you're regulated to participate. Um, without that regulation, you have a voluntary scheme and, and it's only those who are willing to do the right thing that will participate. So when when you have a tyre which is um, you know causes a lot of environmental harm if it's in the wrong place, plus it's a wasted resource, um, the industry really specific they wanted to go for regulation. So they've held on since 2012 to get to where we are today. So industry designed scheme um, and your rights government regulated to underpin that design. And so there's no option about inclusion. You can't opt out. You cannot opt out, no. There is um, only one exemption, and that is for aircraft tyres which are imported into New Zealand and exported for end of life, and they're all tracked via the serial number. But other than that, you import tyres that are within the scope of the scheme, you you participate. Oh, that's Otherwise interesting. Otherwise, you're, you're not allowed to sell tyres unless you do. 
That's really interesting. So you learn a little tip, mm. but everyday aircraft tyres come in and they're exported at end of life. That's correct, because they're retreated in another country and then the end of life is managed in that country as well. Right. And the reason why they can get an exemption is because it's, it's tracked by serial number. Each tyre has a serial number. Yep. Very easy to, to evidence that you're um, managing that in another country. Right. So yeah. just to help me continue to get my head around what it is that, that we're doing here. So TyreWise is the program. Uh, 3R Group is the company who has been has been uh, project managing the, the, the implementation phase and mm. then will administer the program. So it's a government-backed program. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a private thing. Well, well, it's a private entity. So, um, so just to explain a little bit, for two years, the industry, whole industry supply chain worked on the scheme um, and it was given the name TireWise. That's what the name of the scheme was given. And so the scheme's actually owned by industry um, and it's held by Auto Stewardship New Zealand, which is a not-for-profit trust. So they hold the scheme, the ownership of the scheme on behalf of industry. So it's it's a private entity that own, that owns it, but the regulation is set by the Ministry for the Environment on um, on importing a regulated tyre and operating in accordance with the tyre wire scheme. So the scheme itself is also an accredited regulated scheme. So there's a bit of both worlds there. There's a regulation that underpins it, but it is um, industry-owned scheme held on behalf by a not-for-profit charitable trust. So three R's role. So we were involved in the design stage, and then we all sort of sat around for quite a few years while things came and went, different governments came and went, um, but eventually we did get that regulation, and so our role has then been to implement the scheme and then manage the scheme on behalf of industry from the first of March. Right, so you're managing a scheme that has some real clout behind it. <laughs> it, it, it sure does, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it comes with, I, I wouldn't recommend the route of regulated schemes that we've done with tyres, but I think um, I would still recommend it's the right way for the age and stage that we're at. So you mentioned it in your introduction here. Um, you know, we've had this problem for so many years around waste tyres. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and Yeah, and inherently in the industry, there's not a lot of trust for each other. Um, and there's also been a lot of really negative things that are done. So I think that's really important that regulation underpins that while we change that and we all learn to trust each other and we're all doing the right thing and everybody can see everybody's doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, so, you, yeah, get that fair and even um, transparent operating model and uh, I think yeah we're on the right path. So the fee in the communications that we've had and read so far mm -hmm. it says that the fee for a standard passenger car tyre is $6.65 on top of purchase mm. price of the tyre so how does that where does that sort of head to in terms of truck tyres in terms of a levy and how was that sort of established in, in mm. terms of a in terms of gradient the gradient as tyres got bigger and smaller? Yeah, sure. So um, an EPU is an equivalent passenger unit. That is an international, internationally recognised unit of a passenger tyre, generally weighing 9.5 kgs new. So um, most schemes set a price per 
EPU of a tyre, but then they also have a, a banding um, in which tyres of a certain range or type of use fall. Um, in New Zealand, we're a bit different because our um, the industry were, were adamant they wanted the fee to be collected by government. Uh, and so the first point of import for uh, tyres, loose tyres, is obviously New Zealand Customs. And New Zealand Customs um, tyres are um, declared by tariff item. And so what we had to do was kind of map average weights of a, of a range of tyres within the tariff item. And it's definitely not perfect. Um, and we'll definitely be making improvements. But if, just to answer your question about the tariff um, on a like a truck tyre, so it's not that it's um, weight of truck tyre times 9.5 kgs gives you the price. It's a band. So I looked up the particular tyre you gave me. Our tyre size was a 275-80-22.5, and that um, falls into a tariff item 411.20.18. Point zero nine f which the importers will know, and that is a tracks a fee of $27.93. Right, okay, and this goes all the way yep. up to the big motor scraper, earth mover tyres that all you the way up. see on these yeah, giant yeah. machines? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, it does. So the top rate's going to be somewhere around about $1,500. Um, the, the current rates published go up to about 450 but that's because there's some more work that has to be done yeah. on about 2,000 tyres that are imported at that higher level. But um, the ones we use all the time, passenger tyres, uh, light commercial, heavy commercial, truck um, and large truck, they're, they're all settled, those those rates have all been published so but my push bike and my e-scooter are, are don't i don't are not there are not quite there yet not quite there yet and that's because there's not a, a real common pathway for which bicycle tires are imported um right. not like there are major importers of tires for you know passenger tires and vehicle tires uh, but they're in scope of the scheme they can certainly be collected and processed through the same network and it's just that we have technical advisory groups that will start after the 1st of March that will look at what are the pathways in and what's a fair fee as well because you obviously bicycle tyres um, you know, not built in the same way that a vehicle tyre is and they're, they're not causing that same sort of hazard in the environment so yeah, it needs to attract a fee that's commensurate with actually recycling, recycling that tyre Right. Okay. Interesting. Mm. It's fascinating stuff, yeah. isn't it? Like it's a very yeah, idea. Yeah. yeah, it is. It, and you don't realise it. it's an old problem. You think, oh, hell, this should be easy to solve, but it's not. It's a very tyres no. are an incredibly complex thing. So collection Absolutely. starts on the first of September. Um, mm -hmm. It's free from registered tyre sellers, garages, and public collection points. Um, yeah. The so does the end user bear the cost of like if you're a truck company that employs a tyre man, so you're not a registered tyre seller mm -hmm. and so you you have to get your tyres to a point to have them collected no, no not actually so yeah um so that trucking company would be uh would be called a generator like generate end of life tyres right and okay. so they yeah so they became a they become a place that we do collections from right so they 
they have a login into the software, which they can book a collection, just like you do when you book a courier, as easy as that. Um, book a collection, and then um, we organise for the, the trucks to come and collect those tyres and take them to a processor. And if you're a member of the public, so say you're, you, know, you might be in this industry, but you... Um, work away on your classic car on the weekend or something like that and you've got a few tyres lying around home, yeah, yeah. Well, you you can take them to a public collection site and um, generally that's in the same places as uh, transfer stations yes. and places like that. Yeah. yeah, and you can take up to five tyres a time there um, for no fee. Right. So that's, um, yeah, that's the only time you would really, you would have to ex, um, transport your own tyre. And also the other thing is um, what we're trying to do with the trucking um, tyre suppliers, uh, most of them have call-out services. So, um, you know, you, you break down on the road because someone comes out and um, changes your tyre. So we're trying to work with those companies that to take that old tyre back with them to the yard because we can pick it up from there much easier than we can try and um, organise it with the truckie or, um, you know, off, off a... You know, farm or somewhere like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what we're trying to do with those suppliers to make it as easy as possible. Right, right. And is general has the general reception been positive? Like, are people, you know, has the general feeling been, you know, this is a great thing, let's get into it and make it happen? Yeah, yeah over time, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certainly, certainly not in the early days. It was, you know, this is the worst thing that's ever happened and is going to, you know, ruin us. But, um, I, but there's been a massive shift in, uh, in brands taking responsibility, you know, for the whole of life of their product, and and for for large trucking companies as well, sustainability is at their core. So, yeah, big change in the last few years. But oh, no, I'd have to say, not not welcomed with open arms when we first started. <laughs> yeah, but like I just all I can like. Having been in the industry, like tire mountains are a pain in the ass. Like all of a sudden, having yeah. a system where they just disappear from your yard yeah. to me sounds like well, sounds yeah amazing. Yeah, I mean the really cool thing is, and and um, I know we're going to talk about this, but the really cool thing is that they are genuinely a resource that can be used for something else. And so the the market failure problem that we're trying to address with the scheme primarily is to make sure that end-of-life tyres get to where they need to get to to be processed into something else um, rather than wasted. Yeah. And, you know, they're problematic for people that, that don't want them in the, where they're sitting. So, yeah, it's yeah. all about moving them to the right place. Yeah, absolutely. So does, does tyre-wise... It doesn't. It's not going to have a fleet of trucks. It won't physically collect. No. You tender that out to people who apply for that business yeah. opportunity, and and they yeah, take absolutely. it to where you designate they take it to, or like where how do yeah. where do you decide the tyres go to? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'll start sort of at the top end. So the scheme was designed to um, demand pull through. So I'll use Golden Bay Cement um, because it's a, an example that people understand. So they purchase tyre derived fuel, which is tyres that are shredded to a certain specification and that um, those tyres go through as fuel to create heat energy in their hot disks. This is up in um, top of the North Island. And then um, they manufacture cement and uh, um, by using tyre-derived fuel, it's offsets their need to use coal, which has a higher carbon um, 
footprint, but tyre dry fuel has a higher um, calorific value or, or sorry, heat energy, if you like, um, compared to coal. So it's actually a benefit in the process. Plus some of the residue from the um, the heating of the tyre then goes through into the manufacture of cement. So it's not only heat energy, it's also used in the manufacture of the product. So it's a pretty awesome story. And um, the result is that as an eco-cement, a low-carbon cement that we've been able to manufacture in New Zealand. But So Golden Bay Cement will take 30,000 tonnes of tyre-derived fuel year. So we need to then make sure that that is available to them. So there's a couple of three processes in New Zealand that manufacture to that specification. So the job of tyre-wise, tyre-wise is, is um, regulated to make sure that every tyre in New Zealand is collected right. and, and processed. So our role is to make sure that those tyres in hard-to-reach places where it's uneconomic to collect them um, are entering that stream where they can make sure that Golden Base Cement is guaranteed its product it needs yep. and that, that there are processes available to to make that product a specification, but then um, work a lot harder on helping to stimulate the local market for market innovation. So things like um, civil engineered solutions um, that, are, that are happening around the place. So a really awesome one. Um, the other day when we were at a processor site in Cambridge and they've been working with a company that makes um, rubber ramps on behalf of the ACC. So someone has an accident, has steps at the front of their property, this company manufactures a rubber ramp that's bespoke to that client's um, footprint of their steps. So you might have a bit of wonky concrete, that, that um, rubber ramp is molded to that step once the um, person's rehabilitated, no longer needs that ramp, it's taken away and recycled back again into another ramp. Wow. So, yeah, old tyres are used in that process. So it's a it's a product that's manufactured by a processor in Cambridge, which is supplied to a company, I believe, that they're in New Plymouth, who make these ramps on behalf of ACC. So it's a super amazing story um, and we just want to invest and support as much of that innovation in our local market that we can so, so if you think of years ahead we want to be all of our tyres staying in New Zealand we don't want them exported no that's right so the mm -hmm. just picking up a subject you touched on there that if I've got a if I'm here in Thames and I've had a great idea of what to do with old tyres, do, mm. do, you, do you guide me to the government agency that might have an innovative fund that can help me with the R&D or do you administer the fund or what? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of two places. So one is um, part of a proportion or percentage of the fee that's collected by government from importers for tyres is set aside by the scheme specifically for that. So these sort of uh, market innovation R&D and, and there's a community based fund as well, which is about supporting local um local enterprise in places like Thames, so it's slightly off the beaten track, yep. back of Gisborne, those sorts of places, west coast of the south. So, um, but the R&D is a really important component of it because we want to R&D new products, but we also want to invest in market stimulation for the purchase of those products. So you would, first of all, you would come to Tyrewise and say, I've got this great idea. Um, 
it might be such a great idea though that Tyre Myers might um, co-fund you with say the Waste Minimisation Fund which is a government which is the Ministry for Environment Fund and that has an application process as well so anything tyres related the Ministry would be looking to see has Tyrewise been involved at all um, and yeah so it doesn't start and stop with tyrewise there's sort of other avenues as well yeah yeah, yeah. we'd be the starting point mm. yep and then you can point people at it's quite amazing mm. isn't it the more we get into the whole uh, end of life thing across across the environment just generally speaking we're sort of discovering mm. we've only ever developed half the economy there's mm. there's heaps of innovation and economic activity that has just mm. never occurred because it's out the other side of the purchase you know yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. so it, you talked in the in the Literature also about identifying tyres that might have missed the opportunity to be retreaded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, he, so how what, do you inspect mm, that? Where do you where does that get picked up? So at the moment, and this does depend on which island you're operating on. Um, so in um, in some areas, the casings that are suitable for retreading are going back into the waste tyre stream. So they're not actually getting to the point where the retreaders can assess them and say, this is good for another round or two. They're, they're going for disposal straight away. So that's to do with the collection and transport system. So what we're doing is working with the collectors of those tyres to make sure that they're set aside and they go a different pathway right. for assessment by the retreaters and then end of life if they need to, but not making an assumption that end of life straight right. away. Right. So yeah, it seems to be a bit more prevalent in the South Island, that's a problem in the North Island. Um, there's some pretty good capture systems, but it really does depend on where you're talking and, and um, the scheme has the ability to standardise that and, and open up the opportunity for more casings to be retreated. Right. Yeah. So before you get um, before you win selection as a collector, you've got to prove you can spot a good one if it's still there. <laughs> yeah, or, or just um, – so it's not even spotting the good one. It's because those tyres are picked up generally from a tyre company or somebody who specialises in tyres. So it's just about making sure that the system is separating them. It starts from there. Right, yeah. The, collect, the collectors are not, no, whilst I respect they've worked in the tyre industry for many, many years, decades, but it's actually the case, the retreaters themselves that have the equipment to check whether yeah. the tyre can be retreated again. And, I mean, ultimately, retreading is is the ultimate sort of keeping a product in use for longer. Yeah. Um, but I also realise there's you know, it's a bit of a hot topic as yeah. well. <laughs> Absolutely. But it just enables someone to make an informed decision and then they can move on to end of life if they're needed, if they, yeah, that's where they're supposed to go. Speaking of uh, speaking of hot topics, the old cow cocky who for years has gone yeah. down to the uh, tyre shop and got half a dozen tyres to chuck on the silage tarpaulin to keep stop the wind from keeping the blowing the tarpaulin away is he going to still be able to do that or is it now now you can't have yeah. these anymore built you've got they've got to go away no no um they can still do that um so that's something that um feed farmers made some um submissions on during the design phase um and in the submission um it was to the point that they're not end of life because they're still in use so um they won't be offered out to tyre-wise for um, collection because they're still in use. Right. Just they're not in use as a tyre um, on a vehicle. Yep. 
However, um, what the farmers need to be aware of is that when they do that, they're creating a legacy stockpile of tyres and those tyres deteriorate over time and the processors don't want them as much as they do want ones that are just recently taken off a vehicle because they just don't have the same value. Right. It's often dirty as well. So what the farmer's doing is creating an addition, a problem for themselves, creating a um, legacy stockpile, um, which won't be funded by TireWise for cleanup. So when they do eventually want those tyres to come into the programme, then it's a bit of a negotiation process as right. to how that is managed with them but yet for the for the time being um they can still um take those tires i guess you know if we are really fortunate and we actually need those tires because there's um processing demand for them then i suspect that the retailers themselves will stop those tires going yeah. off for that purpose um, we're some years down the track of that though but it would be great to see i mean other countries are measured by the success of these schemes when they take, when they have, um, um, you know, over a hundred percent of the tyres going into their programme because they they need so much more. They're actually bringing old tyres from other countries to use for processing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, that's a really big measure of success. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And what's yeah. your time frame for? When do you think you'll get to um, 1.0 on the on the tyre collection, like in terms of a hundred percent? Yeah. Um, so within seven years, we're expecting to get to 98%, and yep. 98% is because of the volume that is um, held over for silage pit tyres yep. and other sort of civil engineered solutions. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, it would be safe to say 10 years' time. I think uh, Canada um, has uh, got there after 20-plus years. Um, Europe a lot of those countries that are 110% of their volume um, importing from other countries. Um, similarly, that, that's around 20 years of operating. So I think it gives us a good understanding of, you know, it's around about that time to get the industry in New Zealand really revved up. Yeah, and of course you've got a handshake a generation away, don't you? You know, things you like the silage stack thing, it'll, 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 just, it'll just evolve itself into, the, into history, won't it? It will, and I mean somebody will innovate a really good product that's much better for them to use than tyres and is, um, you know, stacks up economically and environmentally. Mm. And so, yeah, you, you'll see that phase out of t- out over time naturally. Mm. 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 Interesting. Well, mm. well, there you have it. It's a whole new world and a far less wasteful one yet again. Um, it is. I never thought that I could spend, uh, I feel like I could spend the rest of the afternoon having any auntie about what to do about old tyres. It's... <laughs> It's like uh, I'm going to yeah. be the new most interesting person at the next party I go to. Um, That's cool. Yeah. We need more people like you. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it is. It's a great, it's a fabulous subject. And um, we're really looking for greater engagement too in the trucking sector. Yeah. Um, you're big users of tyres, big tyres. Yeah. And go, th- you know, become end of life a lot quicker than a passenger tyre. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're, um, we would love to keep conversing over time and um, perhaps we check in with you somewhere around about April, May so you, you can give us some feedback on what people think, how people think the 1st of March has turned out. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah 100% yeah. and, and I've, uh, um, I've got a note to also touch base and like once collection starts like October and yes. just see what what's, yeah. what the reality, what, what how's life at the coalface mm. and everything. 
So I'm a mm. transport operator, big or small. I've listened to, read the articles um, and listened to the interviews and I've got a few questions. Where, 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 where can I go? So head to the Tywise website. Um, there's a lot of information on there, but you'll find there's also a 0508 number, uh, sorry, 0800 number, 0800 897 394. And um, ring that number and there's any number of people there that can respond to you. I, um, In terms of those tyre generators um, that need collections, we'll be reaching out to those people to register um probably towards the end of March, between March and the end of August, so we can make sure that you get collections when you need them on time. We show you how to use the software to book. Right. So, yeah, expect to hear from us and um, looking forward to talking to people. Yeah, absolutely, yep. And just like the tyres themselves, it's going to be a journey, but it's a very uh, fruitful and fulfilling one, I think, from, from yep. you know, in terms of opportunity and lack of wastage and all of that sort of thing. Adele, thank you so much for taking the time to have a talk to us this afternoon. That's been really fantastic. It does affect you if you're into anything to do with tyres, uh, transport industry. This is coming towards you on the 1st of March. It's, it's, a, it's a positive solution. It's, it's a good thing, uh, and it solves one of our age-old age, age old problems. So get on board and just figure out what you need to do. Trucking Radio 24-7 and the Keep On Moving podcast. Last month on episode 27, we talked to Billy Clemens and he's the uh, project and uh, policy manager at Iaata Aotearoa Transporting New Zealand and he is heading up the uh, Diversity Toolbox program which is comes under the uh, overarching cloud of uh, the diversity program which is also sitting under the Tiara Kitua Road to Success program and they are all about, that whole thing is all about getting people into an industry that desperately needs people. Part, part of the diversity toolbox uh, is uh, a recruiting diversity champions around the country in the industry to help uh, push the message because we are an industry that even in these uh, sort of times of, I suppose, in some areas, reduced economic activity, we're still desperately short of good people uh, and there are a lot of good people out there who A, we don't know about and B, they don't really know about us. And uh, on the line uh, from the paradise that is uh, Renwick, which is in the in the grapevine uh, capital of the South Island in, in Marlborough, is Jack Smith, Managing Director and Co-Owner of Renwick Transport, uh, seated in the idyllic hamlet. And uh, good morning, Jax. Good morning, Dave. How are you today? Oh, look, if I was any better, I'd be in Blenheim. <laughs> it's a beautiful day here. The sun is shining. It's, is it ever not a beautiful day in the Valley of, uh, Valley of Vines? No, we've got pretty good weather down here, I must say. We are the sunshine country, uh, town of, um, of New Zealand. So, and you're, a, I mean, a rural carrier based in and around the horticulture and, and rural cartage industries. So, how is how is workforce for you? I, I'd imagine it's quite challenging because when the when the vine industry needs people, they probably suck them out of the employment workforce like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, it is really challenging. I mean, we're coming into vintage. So at the moment, we're in the process of, you know, doubling, tripling our staff because we go 24-7 for the month of March, April. So, it's yeah, it is a really challenging time. We do a lot of training, a lot of drivers, um, either semi-retired, 
or retired, um, and sometimes we'll get drivers that it's not their daily job. They might be lawyers, accountants, dentists. They'll come away from the job and want to have a break and have a change, and they'll come and drive a truck for a month. So quite often they those sorts of people, yeah, we have to put a little bit of training into them, some more than others, so they're ready to go for a harvest. So that, that's how we source the extra drivers for that time of year. Uh, but all year round, yeah, it's, it's yep. So that, not that, too bad. Like really think about it like that. Eh? Diversity has many faces, doesn't it? Like you know, get a, do, the, do the lawyers and the doctors and the people that come out of their their various offices and and cubby holes are at like do they enjoy it? Do they just love that month of year? Oh, absolutely love it. Yeah, we have return uh, offenders as we call them. <laughs> yeah, and they, <laughs> they they do they absolutely love it. It's just completely changed. Yeah, they're they're from their career. Um, and they find a, a challenge in a different way. They switch off from their other profession, and they really, really enjoy driving a truck and having a lot of face-to-face, whether it be with other truck drivers, the harvesting crew or winery crew. Yeah, they love it. So so the, as a diversity champion, which, which you are a, a, a diversity champion in, in the crew, how did you come by that? Like, Where did that connect? How did you end up with that, with that role? Between John Bond and Neil Reed, they both nominated me for the diversity champion. Uh, so from there, I was chosen and joined a group in Wellington for a period of a few days to go through the rules of yes, to how we could help nat- on a national level. Um, yeah. So and, and and so, what does it involve? Like, if if you like, are you able to nominate somebody? And once once if they go, yep, I'm in. Then what what does that mean for them? Like, what's your journey been? Uh, basically, we've had various catch ups over the last couple of years when we when we can, um, obviously promoting diversity and inclusion into our transport companies and encouraging others. We At this stage, we haven't nominated anyone else ourselves. They are looking to regroup and have a fresh group of diversity champions. Obviously, the more you, champions you get, the more exposure you have out there. But, yeah, the last thing I went to was a launch up in the North Island with the Alexandra Group, which was really, really good, and that launched the Toolbox which was a variety of uh, different things that we were wanting to promote. But all in all, I think individually, if we can get the word out there, um, what transport involves, it's, it's not just driving a truck. It is, it, you've got the accountancy, you've got logistics, you're driving forklifts, warehousing. There's so much more to transporting than driving trucks. There's, there's, it's huge. It's a really enjoyable job, and I think it helps being a woman as well, to encourage other women uh, to come into our industry because we are getting more and more. And as women at Transport, we do employ a mix of female and male and, and age. Um, you know, we, we range from the young early 20s and we go through to the late 60s, possibly almost hitting 70 for those ones that are semi-retired but like to come back for harvest or different parts of the year. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you're a, 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 a fantastic example because the, the whole company is, you know, run by two sisters, you know, so. Yeah, it is, it is. We've, Jen and I have been really, really fortunate to have been in the industry for a wee while now um, and working with our father before he passed away almost four and a half years ago. So we, we, we've done that hard grind. We know what it feels like to come into an industry like ours 
and perhaps not be accepted at the very start, um, being a couple of females. But as time wore on, um, yeah, we, we did all the, the hard the hard work and, and Dad made himself unavailable at times to make sure people did deal with us. And we've gone from strength to strength and now we have a fantastic rapport with our, our clients and suppliers and and networking on at the different conferences we attend. So we're very fortunate to be in the position that we are. And isn't it great that like how you know the the, 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 the as history unfolds, like you're you've ended up a diversity champion when you're actually the result of of a diversity champion well before his well before his time. And you, you know your dad reminds me of like John and Irene Lockley up here and why he who had twin daughters and they wanted to give trucking a go and. Years and this is decades ago, and they were like, "Yeah, just we'll show you how to do it. Doesn't matter, you know who you are. If you want to have a go, we'll give a go." And now both those sisters have fashioned fantastic careers as, as line haul drivers, and also in the office. You know, it's the, you know, we've had great diversity champions in the past. We just got to get more. Yeah, totally. We we look at it. If we actually go into primary schools, so we have our little local room at school. We try and get down as as often as possible, and we'll take two trucks down. Down to, right down to the school and we'll ask the kids to, to come out class by class or sometimes they'll come out with their buddy classes, the, the, the ones with the younger ones. They'll have, um, we'll have a, a bike and a scooter. Um, the prefects normally ride around the truck and the kids get the opportunity to sit up in a truck and have a look to see if they can see that cyclist or the scooter. And so they get an understanding of one, Safety around trucks is the, the, the most important thing, obviously, for them at that age. But also, it's an installing in them that, you know, transport trucks is a possibility of a career in time to come. So we we love to do that. We love to communicate and teach the, the young ones that, yeah, this is a possibility for them at the end of their school and career. And so it's it's really cool, isn't it? Because the diversity champion role is not just one where, so, so far, like, you know, you, you network with transport companies you might not have had the opportunity to network with. It broadens your own horizons as to the potential that's out there and it gives you the chance to form a connection with your community that you may not have had before because you can then start forging relationships with the places like schools and clubs and things like that to show people who think that they could never do that or had never thought of it that here it is, it exists, this is it. And the other thing we do a lot of is we encourage young people or, or young people in particular because obviously they are the future of our industry but also anyone that is, shows a real interest. But we're happy for people to come into our company and the day of the, our life and the day of a room at transport. So if they want to come in, have a look, they'll go with the driver for the day and they get a feel for the, the culture meeting people and what, what it's truly like because people see trucks out on the road um, but they don't know until you come and you work and you live and breathe in, the, in our environment how cool it is and the really amazing people that embrace you and have fun and enjoy what you do on a daily basis. So that's something that we encourage a lot is people coming in here and having a look for themselves what it's like to work in, or especially for us, a family-based business. Um, so that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, well, the more I'm here, you, you ladies, your blood needs bottling. What, what I'm hearing, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that, like, yeah, most definitely. Uh, got, we hear that quite often, but you know, we over the years we've, we've made a really good name for ourselves because we have, and our father, you know, started it. The culture we've created because we have such a passion for what we do and we love it. Um, we want more people to, to feel what we feel every yeah. day. Oh, look, yeah. it, and it frustrates the hell out of me because, like, I'm 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 in your camp one hundred percent. Like, trucks have given me every single thing that have rained down blessings upon me if, if my whole life, and and but I get so frustrated with the you know people aren't going to be interested if you don't give them a chance to get in and see what what's going on and jump in a cab yeah. and go for a ride and see how much fun it is, you yeah. know. Totally. We're, we're an untapped industry, yeah. is what you'd call us. Yeah. You know, I don't think people realise how much enjoyment you can you can get out of our um, day-to-day life. I mean, yes, you've got the hard grind, the sweat, the tears, everything. You know, it can, you know, it can piss you off every now and again. But what, what the good stuff you get out of it is outweighs the, the hard grind. Oh, look, absolutely, and especially in your line of work, like you know, uh, the rural. You know, you get to talk to farmers, and farmers are always up for a for a yarn. When you you know, like you get the interaction, the talking to people. Truck drivers are the front line of customer relationships. You are the marketing arm of whatever name is on the door of that truck, because you you and you you ladies can't be everywhere all the time, and so you truck drivers are this. There's you know, there's customers whose relationship with a transport company is the driver they know. Totally. We had um, we just celebrated our 30 year anniversary last year, and so we decided to, to have a bit of a shindig and have a party. And we and obviously had our drivers there with their partners, our, some of our suppliers, and our clients that have been long standing with us for oh, 15 plus years. And it was an outstanding evening, and it just showed how diverse we are, but also how committed we are to our suppliers, our clients, and yeah, how proud we are as a family and a business. And so the, the, the type of business you run, like I'm hearing and I've read and the wonderful uh, uh, story that Millie McCauley wrote um, in, in the Little Trucker magazine last, last issue, it's obviously a company because one of the key tenets of of uh, the diversity champion and this whole toolbox thing is, you know, encouraging employees to to speak up and and um, inclusive practices and hiring practices and supporting employees who who are uh, neurodiverse and and those sorts of things and that. But you're, it sounds like Renwick's a place where anyone can walk up to the office and with you you two sitting there and and be re- relatively free about saying whatever they need to say. Yeah, absolutely. Jen and I have always had an open door policy. Um, we we don't have hierarchy here as such. We're just one of the team. Yes, we may pay the wages and own the business, but our door, you could actually physically see where Jen and I work from. We have the smallest, tiniest little portal com with all our printers, computers, paper pens, you name it. Everything is jam-packed into this office and people actually why are you working in such a little tiny pincy office why don't you have big desks and have this that and everything but from our point of view we're happy in our little hub we have here 
because the money and the time and the effort we would rather put back into our drivers and our gear. That's more important to us than having a big flashy office. Um, yeah, so that's 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 what we lead by. We've just got an open door here, sliding door, and they can come in and talk to us about whatever they want. Well, that was like a symphony of good news all around listening to to uh, <laughs> to that interview with uh, Jax for the last 10 minutes. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day, your busy, passionate road transport, rural carrying um, day to talk about the diversity toolbox. Uh, if you want to get in contact uh, uh, with the, uh, Billy at the Iara Aotearoa Transporting New Zealand about uh, the the workshop uh, the, in the toolbox, it's all on their website. Uh, you can get them on 0447188283 and uh, to get involved. And uh, obviously another programme supported by the wonderful folk at Tallytrack Navman who are into everything with regard to, to boosting, boosting the morale, the headcount and the way that we look at road transport as it evolves in 2024. Jax, thanks so much for your time. Uh, fantastic to talk. I'm going to have to come down and have a visit. Like between Millie's uh, article and now talking to you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to come down and have a look. Oh, yeah. Hot day, yeah. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> okay, thanks heaps. It is the Keep On Moving uh, podcast. That's it, episode uh, 28. Man, um, there's a few hours gone into that, Dave. Thank you. No worries, Murray. It's always a pleasure, and it's always a pleasure to work on it and uh, put it together with you, and it's an incredible pleasure to talk to the people who we talk to who make up the content. Thank you all. Uh, any thoughts uh, about uh, 29? Is there anyone uh, in the wings that you want to share with us uh, at this uh, point? I've got, a, I've got, a, couple of, I've got a, a couple of hot contenders uh, in the wings. It'll just depend on my travels around the country over the next uh, few days, and we've got one more diversity champion to talk to. Um, and so we'll do that, and uh, yeah, we'll just we'll leave it as a we'll leave it as an open ended thing at this stage. Okay, you never let anything out, David. You'd make a terrible politician. Um, but, but I will I will interview Will Shears this next month without deleting it. <laughs> please don't please don't uh, tell him that I deleted it. No, no, we didn't delete it. No, no, it just got lost in the system. All right, beautiful noise. What's this truck? And if I had to give a clue, I guess I could say early February, Dave. Early February. Is that Why a, is that a clue? Because it was a rather big event on. Oh, involved. oh I see. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, but you you knew that because you read the pace notes for the show. I did. So tell us, what is it? Oh, and before we go there, Muzz, can I just say before the program ends, and uh, and this is the current February podcast, can I actually say to you in front of the audience, thank you so much for giving of your time and coming and standing in the wind and rain at the Kenworth 100 Years and doing some interviews and a bit of broadcast and collating our little uh, field interviews and that. Thank you, mate. Yeah, no, my pleasure, mate. Your arm for, for wheels at Wanaka 25. Oh, oh, you wouldn't miss it, Dave. <laughs> so give us the truck. We, we know it's Kenworth, right? Yeah, it's a Kenworth, obviously. And, hey, look, for me, there were two really uh, – you talk about influential trucks that are there. And, obviously, the you know, the first uh, uh, franchise entrance into the country were the, were the 848 uh, Kenworths that went into New Zealand Forest Products. But they were largely unseen trucks to the people. And the first two, for me, the first – and everyone's got their own thought on this and nothing matters, but – 
for me, the, first, the two most influential early Kenworths that turned up in New Zealand were, were the Concorde, which was Mike Lambert's uh, V12 logging truck, and Lenditch's W model Kenworth with a sleeper cab. And it first appeared at a truck show in Auckland sitting in the corner of the Logan Campbell Centre, and it just had all of us kids absolutely agog in front of it, and, and it was like the Pied Piper. Uh, to a generation of, of young people, and it's the Lenditch uh, W model Kenworth with the K Block Cummins arriving at Mystery Creek and taking its place in the lineup in front of the Mystery Creek Event Centre. That is that recording of the beautiful noise for episode 28. Beautiful. Well, I think that's, that's about it, Dave. Uh, have a safe uh, February, early March, and we'll talk again soon. Eh? The Keep On Moving podcast, by the way, wherever you're listening to this on whatever player, just say you like it, and that will encourage other people to like it as well. Well, until they hear it. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate. See you, mate.